right, so three, two, one, Jack Mouse, how you doing, my friend? Good, good to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. <laughs> we, we've known each other, I, did, did we first meet at the, the Naperville store, probably? Naperville store, yeah. Yeah, a while yeah. back, and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you were teaching over there. Uh, at North Naperville. Central. Yeah, North Central, uh-huh. where we had a lot of uh, people come out to the jam session sometimes. A lot of my students. And yeah, yeah I've, I still, I'm still in touch with some, some of those guys. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> So yeah, I uh, this is you know just kind of want to go into to to like about you like tell me tell me where'd you grow up how'd you how'd you get into music when you were young well I I grew up in um, kind of a small town in Kansas up in the Flint Hills Emporia um, I started playing when I was four uh, musical family or no my father was a was a car dealer. Okay. <laughs> he was a Chrysler dealer there. Sure. Uh, it was a university town. Emporia was a university town. So culturally, it was uh, uh, a very nice, very good place to, uh, to, to grow up. And uh, actually, it was Roy Burns' hometown. Oh, very cool. <laughs> and Roy was my first teacher. It's a small world, I guess. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, he was my first teacher, took care of me till the day he died. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the arts are very much like a family. Sure. You know, I, I had musical mothers and musical fathers. It has this very small community. Uh, aunts and uncles and uh, musical children. And now I find it disturbing that I have musical grandchildren. Sure. Which, um, th- that's like a cold splash of water in the face every now and then when I run into <laughs> Said, oh yeah, my dad studied with you. Sure. Or, you know, uh, that so, means people remember you though, which is like that means you're doing something right. I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm real proud of, of. There are people who, in your life, and you've had them, well, you've got one, who, and you don't have to be adopted, right? But they adopt you, and it's it's not like they're employers or teachers. They actually take you into their musical family, mm. and they they entrust you. You become part of their musical bloodline, and you're expected to protect the nobility of that bloodline. Sure. <laughs> so I've I've had some great musical fathers and mothers. Uh, my my first Roy was my first one, and again he didn't just teach me how to play. He taught me how to live. Mm-hmm. And and how to how to handle yourself in the business of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was your first teacher, or one yeah. of the first teachers you had. No, he was my first teacher. Well, how did you come across him? Uh, small town. Sure. <laughs> uh, Bound and, to run into each and other. <laughs> he uh, they had a, a city band there, a municipal band, and I don't remember any of this. This is all hearsay from my parents, and sure. But they would go to the park concerts and. And I would watch Roy play, I guess, you know. Hmm. And uh, they finally, uh, and I started banging around on things at home. Sure. And, you know, like our, like we all did. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> my, I, I was surrounded by drums myself. So. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. I mean, you didn't need to, <laughs> there, right? There was one point, actually, where my father did not have a single drum set, drum. It was, he had uh, cymbals, but he didn't have any I can't drums. imagine that. Yeah, believe it or not, that's when I was very young. Uh, but then, yeah, by oh the time God. I was about six, <laughs> yeah, there was a time when you just had some. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's unbelievable. This would be about 30, 
about 34 years ago, something like that. Yeah, not even That's that unbelievable. Yeah, he, wow. he, he's still like, I think he still played a little bit, probably yeah. practiced, you know. Well, <laughs> he my, went to shops. My parents, everybody in town knows yeah. everybody, right? Sure. <laughs> and my parents knew Roy's. Roy's father was a butcher okay. at, at Rebel's uh, <clears throat> grocery store. Nice. <laughs> and his mother was a waitress in town. Yeah. And my parents knew her, and... Uh, uh, so they asked her about if Roy, and Roy was teaching, he's 11 years older than I am, mm -hmm. uh, and he was teaching at a music store there, and my parents asked his mother if he would be interested, and she said, well... Um, Do you remember the music store's name? Lennigan, Lennigan Music Company. <clears throat> okay. Somebody it, listening might know of that place. It's oh, possible. I, I, it was, a, it was, it was a, a center for musicians. Sure. The story is going to lead to the fact that Another one of my musical fathers was the, was the band director. His name was Ormond Parker. And this is not a school band? This is a... Um, oh, no, but he was a high school band director there. Okay, high school, all right. I wasn't high sure school, it was the, High school and junior like high. Municipal band or something. Well, he, <laughs> conducted, he conducted that too. Oh, okay, very cool. Small town. You know, <laughs> yeah. He was the conductor in town, you know. <laughs> sure. Uh, and, and like I say, it was a very... Emporia State University is a very well-known university with a, with a good music department and things like that. So... Yeah. Um, but uh, that particular band director turned out more professional musicians than anybody I've ever run into. So many professional musicians came out of that high school. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Mahan. Johnny Mahan was a clarinet soloist with the Navy Band and ended up being a very busy studio saxophone player. Very nice. Uh, so not, a, and not just jazz, an not, not just jazz musicians. Person, but, yeah, yeah. And he turned out um, Roy. He turned out Marshall McNutt, who was a classmate of Roy's. Marshall was the trumpet soloist on Prez Prado's "Cherry Pink and Apple Blossom White." Okay, you know. Uh, he turned out Kathy Nixon, who was a, um, I believe she was with the Denver Symphony uh, French horn player. Mm -hmm. Carl Vale, a uh, uh, baritone soloist with a Navy band. What was he like? Was he very strict, or was he more just kind of showing people the wonders of music? He was and... pretty strict. Sure, yeah. That's that's pretty common in that role. Of that, And yeah. not only that, but Orman <laughs> played every instrument in the band sure. better than the first chair player. Nice. <laughs> that's a dead breed. They're gone. yeah. The, I don't think we'll ever see that again. They're very rare, probably. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are some, I know some people that would, would really, I, this one guy that I, he's from Oak Park, I won't even say his name, but he lives out in New York now, and he can play every instrument. Every instrument. I mean, yeah, like, he's really good at piano and guitar and bass. But then you throw in pretty much any other instrument. He can at least, you know. Oh no, I, I do a lot of work with, with Scott. Janice and I do a lot of work with Scott stuff. Robinson out of New okay. York. Uh, sure. we, we have a we have a group called Three Story Sandbox, uh, mm -hmm. and Scott's one of those multi instrumentalists. You know. Sure. You can't really tell what instrument is his major instrument. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you but, ever? Uh, but Orman was that way, and uh, uh, he turned out Roy. He turned out. I mean, I could go on. I mentioned Lennigan Music Company. Um, right, right. Rosalie Lennigan, the, the wife. Uh, during World War II, um, you know, uh, most of the men were drafted. Mm -hmm. So they put together these all-girl orchestras. Okay. 
there was a, a, a group of, of African-American females called the Sweethearts of Rhythm, I think. Cool. <laughs> they sounded like Duke Ellington, man. Nice. <laughs> was amazing. Uh, and Rosalie ended up being the pianist with the Ada Leonard Band, which was a big-name all-girl orchestra during World War II. Cool. So all of these people came out of that. Uh, it's kind of like a club. We all the, Those that are still alive, we, we stay in contact with each other. Sure. And we talk about Ormond and, and, and the days. Uh, and we thought that all high schools must be like that. Sure, sure. Then we found out that they weren't. You know, this was a very special place to be. Did you have a jazz band in, no. in high school? That and most no. schools didn't at no. that point. Pretty much. No. My dad always talks about how he started his own jazz band at his high school. Did you do something like that? No, there. No, Ormond <laughs> ran a summer program. Okay, and this maybe is what introduced you to and jazz it, playing. We didn't have charts <clears throat> or anything, but there was. They had these books called. Dixieland favorites. Oh, nice. And combo orcs. Okay. <laughs> and so we'd sit around and whack away on those things and, sure. and, and you know, play Saints Go Marching in and Tiger Rag and all those things. Yeah. You know? But uh, music. <laughs> Bob Lennigan ran a, a territory band called The Counts. Okay. Which was a big band. Territory uh, band. Yeah. Uh, a... uh, it was a band that uh, played term within about a four or five state yeah. area. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 18-piece band made up mainly of um, high school band directors from the area. Mm -hmm. But these weren't regular high school band directors. Another one of Orman Parker's children was a guy named Marion Plummer, mm -hmm. who was a trombonist, and he was Doc Severinsen's roommate sure. on the Randy Brooks band. Mm. So these guys, Ed Wortman was the trumpet player. He played with... Um, uh, he played with the Dorsey Band, you know, and he's another one of Orman Parker's students. Sure. And all these guys were in this band. <clears throat> and Roy played in that band. When Roy got out, I started playing with that band when I was 14 and uh, went all over the place, you know, and I taught at the music store. And, so 14, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's great. You were kind of driving around like in the yeah, four-state uh, area Yeah, Bob would, so. would book a thing and uh, uh, we'd say, uh, we got a thing at... Up in Topeka, Forbes Air Force Base at the Officers Club. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll pick you up, and we'll drive up there, and you know. Very cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was I was trained by, I had all these influences of professional musicians around me, mm -hmm. the whole time, and yeah. uh, very, very didn't nice appreciate later. it until years later when I thought, my God, what would have happened if those guys hadn't been there for me? Sure. So, yeah. so did you uh, did you learn to read music pretty early on then? Yeah. <clears throat> then that would that would be maybe yeah, that band uh, directors. Uh, that and uh, my parents Influence, insisted yeah. that I also learn to play piano. Oh, great! I was going to ask you. Yeah, have you done any multi instrumental? Is it, is uh, well, not, I, uh, I play <clears throat> enough piano. I have a ranger's chops. Sure. I play enough piano that I can write music. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that kind of thing. I have embarrassingly so played. <laughs> A gig or two on piano that didn't work out so well. Sure. But it was mainly because somebody got sick at the last minute and I had to jump in and play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just fill in, sure. Uh, I, I'll sit in on piano sometimes at jam sessions. Uh, boy, I don't do that. That would, that would scare me to death. Uh, it usually, well, actually, I'm getting to the point now where I can pretty much play by ear most of the time. 
as long as yeah, they're not expecting me to know every head. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Uh, I'm getting into I, I can older get jazz I later. can get through. <laughs> I don't sight read uh, chord changes particularly well. Sure, sure. Uh, but if it's a simple tune, like a simple standard, yeah, yeah, I got rhythm. All those kinds of tunes, I can get through them. Sure. Uh, but to really feel comfortable. I feel like you got to memorize it. Well, I, I really, really didn't <laughs> like the fact that my parents were making me play the piano. Oh sure. Because I wanted to practice drums all day, you know. <laughs> and but it was the best thing that ever happened. In fact, Roy studied from this same lady. He studied piano. Okay. And her name was Geraldine Pena. Oh wow. <laughs> and uh, uh, first, so it's like your first music teacher in, yeah, in general well, that you did like Roy. private lessons with. Yeah. <laughs> she and Roy, and then and then Orman. Um, but. Uh, yeah, Your background I, isn't that dissimilar from mine, actually. Yeah, I played piano a lot. Uh, that was like classical piano was kind of the, the, the stepping stone, and then I got into drums. Every, everybody should... I, I think piano is the mother instrument when it comes to writing. It's percussion, you know. It is. <laughs> yeah, and strings it, it, at really, the same time. It really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, there are things that... <clears throat> well, I look at Jack, Jack Dejeunet. Sure. Marvelous pianist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I've you know, heard a record of him playing piano. Oh yeah, uh, he had uh, he had an album out that's just him playing piano. Cool. And then he did a. You remember Marion McPartland had a radio show. Sure, yeah. And he was on that playing piano duets with Marion. What was it called? Uh, uh, I can't remember. It was, out, it was out of Boston, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, I got to see him play. And one there time. are <laughs> things when there are things when when I'm playing that I see hear something harmonically that triggers something for me to play on the instrument. Right, right. So I, I think those of us who've had some sort of piano harmonic background are influenced by harmony in Absolutely. a very le left-of-center way. You know? Well, yeah, and if you're reading a chart even and you get maybe lost a little bit, you can hear the form, yeah. so you kind of can get back. Well, you got to know the, the form, man, something. you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, drummers have to know where they are. I was, if... I was very fortunate uh, in 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 order to to be brought up sure. around those people. Yeah, yeah, you know, from such a young age. Definitely. Uh, actually, my first jobs weren't with this band. Uh, there was. Uh, this is like non-musical gigs you're talking about. No, oh, no. First, my, so the first music uh, jobs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I think I was about eleven. Well, my aunt Hannah. Aunt Hannah McCosh. Uh, she was my she was my great aunt. She was my grandfather's sister, and she played piano by ear. Couldn't read. Music. She no, but anything she heard, she could play. That's awesome. I remember sitting in her kitchen while she was canning vegetables and things. Sure. And she would hear something on the radio, and she'd say, "Oh, well, that's pretty," and she'd go over to the piano and play the damn thing. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. For a long time, I thought that's how music was made. Sure. You know, oh, that's it. <laughs> so she ran a band that, that, that played every other week at the Emporia Community Center for the Over 40 Club. All right. And I thought, God, those people are old. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and she had a I'm drummer with now, her. her name, his name was, was Emmett Ingle. Sure. <laughs> and Emmett was a carpenter in town. And he had one of those bass drums with a waterfall on it. You know, right? And um, 
So Emmett would bring me up and let me play a little bit. A water, wait, explain the waterfall. Oh, it, it had a light in the inside of the bass drum hmm. that rotated, and there was a waterfall on the a painting of a waterfall. Oh, and okay. the light would, yeah, you know, yeah, like the, yeah, yeah, there you go. I know exactly what you mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> and in, in the, in the, at Christmas time, he had a bass drum head that had a head of a Santa Claus painted on it nice. with a bell. Okay. So, and then when he hit the bass drum, the bell would ring. It's, it's, it's cool. <laughs> but I learned a lot about, learned a lot of standards from, from playing with her. Hmm. You know, when Emmett retired, I, I was still like, seven or eight years old and we started playing with her there sure and then there was a, a a guy in town his name was chuck cowan uh who was a marvelous musician okay what did he play but, uh he was a guitar player and a singer all right and he played all kinds of music i mean i, I remember when blood sweat and tears were around he could sound and sing like david clayton thomas man it was amazing cool Great musician. I listened to that a lot. Uh, he ended up in L.A. doing a lot of work out there. Uh, he was probably eight or nine years older than me, and he had a brother named Roger. Okay. And that's cattle country out there, so there's a lot of rodeos. Sure. <laughs> and my first gig was playing with, with the Cowan brothers for rodeos. Cool. <laughs> it was great. And country-westerns, country-western wow. country swing bands... They can swing you into bad so health. So what's, what's a tune you guys would play in that band? Uh, San Antonio Rose and... Uh, so it's like, is it, this is like called like Western Swing. It's yeah. like it's kind of... It's, it's, it's not really country music. Right, it's, I know exactly it's what you're Western talking about. Swing. It's, it's like a cool Sons, genre. It's a really Sons cool of genre. the Pioneers and all those guys, man. Yeah. <laughs> and these guys could swing. Yeah. We might have even got, talked about this a little bit last time you were here. Yeah, that... that, that well, we would, we would play the rodeo in the afternoon. <laughs> nice. Up in the, up in the, above the thing, you know, and then at night we go to some Quonset hut and play for the rodeo dance. Okay, and you know the the scene in the Blues Brothers where they're playing behind the chicken wire. Sure, sure, classic. Yep, I did that. Oh yeah. In fact, I was. Uh, so if they like it, they throw more bottles. Uh, I don't. Is that you know, I, I was never got involved with that, but I knew what it was for. Sure. Uh, they don't really throw that many bottles, though. That was. <laughs> uh, I've heard tales that that actually happened, but I was never on a job that that happened. You um, guys drank. And Chuck and Roger. $350 worth of beer. <laughs> really? Chuck and Roger sometimes wouldn't get along, and they'd disappear on breaks. Okay. And Roger was younger than Chuck. Uh, but they'd we'd start the next set and they'd be wiping blood off their noses and things. Jeez. <laughs> and I I would turn man. to the steel player when I first started doing this. I said, "What's going on?" He said, "Well, they didn't didn't like one of them didn't like the way the other one was playing, so they went out and pounded on each other." Uh, geez. And I said, "Well, shouldn't we put a stop to this?" He says, "You don't want to get involved in that." <laughs> and they, sure. they'd be there wiping blood off and play. it was that's fun. Interesting way to grow up. What a story. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but rodeo bands, uh, playing Western Swing, those guys can play, man. Yeah. <laughs> steel players, the steel players. Do you have violin as well? Uh, Roger doubled bass and fiddle. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, fiddle. Yeah, That's yeah. the proper way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what a violin And he held it down here, not here. He okay. Down here, you know. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, and both of them were really good musicians. That's uh, good readers, you know. Uh, nice, nice. And uh, yeah, cool uh, Chuck, Chuck played in a... Played and sang in another group up at the college called The Five Guys, which did four freshman material. Okay. So he was that versatile. Yeah. You know. 
That's great. Uh, so growing up, uh, I, I can't imagine having a better musical background. Before, sure. You know, it was it was really quite amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, it's so cool to. I mean, yeah, you've never told me any of these stories before. Really interesting. Well, stuff. we never had that kind of time. Yeah, for sure. You always you know <laughs> pop in for a little bit, talk yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for all the. All the cool stories. So, <laughs> so then, when did you move from Texas, or, or which which state were you in? Sorry, Kansas. Kansas. Sorry, Kansas. You moved from Kansas eventually, and then where did you where did you end up next? Well, I I <laughs> went back to Berkeley for another another okay. another one of my musical fathers was a guy named John Laporta. Okay. And John Laporta was one of the founding faculty members of Berkeley School of Music. Sure, I've heard the name before. I think. Oh yeah, I mean sure. he. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know anything about he him. He played with Woody. <laughs> he played with Mingus. Yeah, nice. In in, in Mingus's one of Mingus's biographies, he says he learned more from John Laporta <laughs> than John Laporta ever learned from him. Oh yeah. <laughs> but John, uh, I was what they call a camp baby. Okay. Uh, in the early '60s, Stan Kenton started the Stan Kenton Clinics. Hmm. Which were the first jazz camps? Okay, Stan Kenton. Yeah, they were called the Kenton Clinics, <laughs> and they were they were held all over the United States. There was one in Bloomington, Indiana, one in Denver, um, and I started going to those. Was it like similar to like Abersol type deal? Maybe. Oh no, ab absolutely. The way he the Abersol, approached it, uh, it came out of that. That's kind of what in I was, fact yeah. when Stan left, it became the summer jazz clinics, okay. which was associated. That was the big band camps. And Jamie was the the Abersole camp. Yeah, nice. those all came out of the Kenton uh, mold. Wow. So, but I, I went back there. I was I was fourteen. Sure. And I, my parents put me on a train in Emporia, Kansas, and I took the train to Bloomington, Indiana, <laughs> with my drums. Wow. You know, and <laughs> can't uh, travel lightly if you're a drummer. <laughs> and uh, I had because I studied with Roy. I for my age, I had I had I had pretty good hands. And, but I had, when you're 14, you have to let everybody know you have pretty good hands, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, you want to prove, prove so, yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're doing, you know. Sure. Uh, but I ended up in the number one band. Nice. <laughs> at the Kenton Clinics, mainly with college guys. Oh, okay, cool. And I thought, man, I'm in hog heaven, man. So uh, I was in the number one band, which was led by Buddy DeFranco. He was on faculty for the camps. Mm -hmm. And then they had what they called the headband. And the headband was a big band, was an improvising band, made up and, and playing head arrangements, okay. led by John Laporta. So, man, I finished up. Johnny Richards was, was I'm sorry, it wasn't Buddy DeFranco. Johnny Richards was had, had the number one band. Okay. So the first day I went through Johnny Richards' thing, like, man, I'm, look at me. and <laughs> You feeling good about yourself? Yeah, man. So <laughs> sure. I went in, I'm, I'm setting up for, for the headband, and, and I start playing. And John cuts off the band. <laughs> and he walked back to me and he said, let me see your left side. He had this, I hear that man's voice in my head every day. He said, let me see your, le let me see your left stick. Okay. And I thought, that's cool. This old man wants to, wants to know if, what kind of sticks I use, man. I saw, <laughs> so I handed him my left stick. And he said, let me see your bass drum beater. <laughs> I thought, okay, this is weird. But I reached down and then loosened, handed him the beater. 
And he kept him. He turned around, and on his way back to his music stand, he looked at me and he says, now play. Yeah, that's that's one way to do it. That's funny. So you're, you're was overplaying a little bit in his opinion. Totally embarrassed. <laughs> oh man. I'm thinking, you nasty old man, let me take your reeds away from you. See how you play him. But sure. I was just angry. Right. After but John started the band, and for the first time, I swung like I'd never swung before. Yeah, yeah. And after he kept those, he kept my stick and my beater the whole sure. rehearsal. <laughs> and he comes back to me afterwards, the rehearsal, and he says, Point I'm trying to make. If you can't influence the band time wise, feel wise, and dynamically with your right hand and your left foot, there's something missing in your playing. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> you know, yeah, it's holy a, cow. Sounds like a really fantastic. Well, John picture. ended up sort of adopting me. <clears throat> making me part of his musical family. Got me my scholarship to Berkeley. Uh, then when I got out of the Air Force, John got me on the National Stage Band Camp faculty. Nice. With him. Were you in the Air Force? Uh, I was with the Falconeers, the Air Force Academy Falconeers. So it's a, a band? I don't know anything Big about Big band, it. yeah. Oh, so you got to play like oh, jazz absolutely. stuff in there. Oh, that must have been cool. Oh, no, it was an amazing band. Yeah, uh, the, that, that's awesome. The, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the bands during Vietnam were incredible. Yeah. I mean, I was in a band with Bill Stapleton. Frank Mantooth was my best man. Were you always in the States, or did you go to, like, Germany? Or? Oh, we were all over the place. We were on wow. the road nine months out of the year. Jeez, yeah, you've done a, you've done a lot of... Uh, Stationed at the Air Force Academy. We had a lot our, of cool stuff. <laughs> we had... Uh, Traveling we, the world in the we had, 70s and 80s, maybe? Yeah. Uh, well, I was in 69 through 73. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> And military bands were incredible at that time because of the draft. <laughs> yeah, you know there were lots of lots of competition. Everybody, but I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, <laughs> if you, if you got drafted and you didn't sign up, could you then afterwards say, "Hey, I'm a musician. I want to be in the band and audition"? No, uh, the, you got yeah, drafted. Uh, you were going to the, you were going to the army, right? <laughs> and uh, I didn't want to do that. So when it was very interesting the way you that just happened, did the safe route? And you uh, I was, and I was uh, for the band. because <laughs> of the camps and things. And by the time, by the time I was getting out of college, by the time I was twenty, nineteen, and twenty, I was playing with Red Norvo. I was playing with with Peanuts Hucko. I was playing with Tex Beneke. So you meet a lot of guys, you know. Sure. I was playing with Buddy Morrow. I mean, uh, I ended up, I was at Berkeley. I stayed at Berkeley for a very short time. Uh, I went back there to study with Alan Dawson. Okay. And Alan had just taken. So this is like 69? 64. 64, okay, a little bit uh, earlier. He had, he had just replaced Joe Morello with the Brubeck Group. Nice. Well, he was gone all the time. Sure, sure. And he would come in for a couple of days and give you a bunch of stuff to work on. And then he'd come in a month later. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I finally went to John. I said, John, I, I can't learn this way. Sure. He says, I understand. So I transferred back to the College of Emporia, my hometown. And at that time, that music department was incredible. That college hosted the first collegiate jazz festival in Kansas. Oh, okay. 
and brought in, I, I mean, I, that's where I met Clark, Terry. Nice. Uh, Doc Severinsen, I played with Doc there. Uh, and Buddy Morrow came in, and he was as a guest artist for the festival. Wow. And I'm playing, and I was down in a practice room after rehearsals because I wanted to play good that night, man. So I'm down in a practice room. So you were like warming up for that. Yeah, night. yeah, sure. I'm just practicing. <laughs> that's what I did, you know. Uh, that's what you do. You just practice. Do you, man. to this day, like take us a little side route, do you, um, before a really like big performance, do you think it's good to to shed a lot before it or to not shed a lot? Right Doesn't matter. Right I practiced. It. I practiced three hours a day every day. <laughs> Either way, yeah, kind of the same. Doesn't matter. Nice. Eh, that's awesome. And I just do it because I like to practice. I like the yeah. feel of the wood in my hands. Sure, sure. It's a great activity. Yeah. I mean, it's be it's way yeah. better than just about any other thing. Well, Janice will tell you if I don't practice, I'm hard to get along with. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm actually I'm kind of the same way. I uh, if I don't play it, maybe a gig. I really like playing gigs, like in front of people. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do that for every month, I don't play a gig. I get more. Oh, the ornery. pandemic was awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah mm -hmm. right on, man. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, yeah I didn't play for like. Luckily, a because year Janice at all. and I, because <laughs> Janice nuts. and I live in the same house and we're both musicians. Sure. <laughs> we were able to play together. Right, and right. Do duet things, and that's you know. I was still able to do stuff here at least. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> at the I, I get done practicing and I walk out. <laughs> Of the practice room, and Buddy Morrow's standing in the hallway. Right. <clears throat> and he said, um, what are you doing over Christmas? I said, I don't know, Mr. Morrow. He says, would you like to come on my band for a week? Hmm. <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> sure. So I, I, went, on, I went on <laughs> Buddy's answer. band, and we were <clears throat> playing in Denver. And Buddy said... Uh, and Buddy was, again, somebody who really kind of took care of me. Not a musical father, but, a, but, he, but he took care of me. And uh, he said, Pina Tucko owns a club here in Denver called the Navarra Club. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Red Norvo is the vibist. And Maury Feld is the drummer. Mm -hmm. And Dave McKenna is the pianist. And Bill Bastian is the... So after the gig, he says, why don't we go over and see him? Yeah. <laughs> so he took me in a tour three other guys in and he said hi to peanuts and and um so i sat in you know sure and about a month later i get a call in emporia from peanuts he said jack uh uh maury fell's got to take two weeks off would you want to drive to denver and, and play for two weeks with the band mm. oh my oh my gosh i was 20 you know Sure. <laughs> I said, absolutely. Yeah, I think that'd be okay. You gotta hang out with you guys for a little bit. <laughs> and, and, I mean, playing with Red Norvo. Sure. <laughs> my God. Yeah. My God, I've been so fortunate to, to be in the right place. Timing is everything, you know. Timing and placement. Sounds like you work so, hard, though, persistent, you know. You're always... Uh... Always getting out there. You're not being lazy. It sounds like you're... I mean, if you... Oh, yeah, no, no. I was raised not to be lazy by right. professional musicians. That's really important. It's John Laporta used to say, <laughs> if you're late, you're late. If you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. <laughs> Especially as a drummer, yeah. First person there, last person last to leave. <laughs> and so... I usually, uh, if it's a gig and they're like paying me, I usually yeah, like three hours. I shoot to get there three hours before because then something can happen. Oh, I don't do that. I don't do that. I, I, I'm there an hour, an, an hour before. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just, I have to do that for myself. I, think. I know. 
because even though I'm shooting for three hours, it doesn't. I understand end up it like perfectly. That. Yeah, <laughs> that's something to yeah to think about. For so you know, it, it got listening. to be it got to be a thing where uh, I was about to get out of college. I was about to graduate. Sure. And I got a call from. Uh, this was from that same school that you yeah College of Emporia had been yeah yeah, which is now defunct. It was a private college. Oh okay. Uh, and. Um, Marion Plummer was the jazz band director. I didn't, so. Yeah. Anyway, told, yeah. Uh, got the whole. Background. I get a call from uh, uh, Larry Ford, mm-hmm. uh, and I knew Larry from the camps when we were in high school together. And what does Larry play? Uh, Larry's a trumpet player, but he was okay. leading the NORAD Commanders, which was another great military uh-huh. jazz band <laughs> in Colorado Springs. Okay, is that just they didn't have anything to do with NORAD? It was just kind of a. Oh no, they were North. no. That was their band, you know. It was, it was the NORAD band. Okay. Uh, so there, there, there were guys in the band from. It was a multi-service band. There were guys from the Air Force, from the Navy, from the Army in the NORAD band. Remember what that stands for? I can't remember. Uh, nor, Northern North. It's how we make sure something we don't get de- hit by missiles. Something, or something. defense. <laughs> oh yeah, Cheyenne Mountain is where everything right. is. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. And there, they were. They were. We'll stationed, look that up later. They were. They were stationed. <laughs> headquartered out of Peterson Field in Colorado Springs. Wow. So Larry called me and said, Jack, are you are you about to get out of school? And he said, I said, yeah. He says, are you draft are you draft bait? And I said, I sure am. So so back then, once you get out of college and graduate, then you, because isn't there, don't they sometimes, you could be an officer though, I think, right? Not in the band. Degree. Not in the band. <laughs> Not sure. in the band. Right. No. Those were all in. Now, so I, he said, and, uh, and Steve Bohannon mm-hmm. was the drummer with the NORAD band, right? with the commanders. And, you know, I mean, his father was Boyd Bohannon, uncle was Boyd Bohannon and all. And he was one of the drummers with Don Ellis's big band before he got drafted, before he had to go in. Okay. The NORAD band, the commanders were out in Los Angeles <clears throat> recording and Steve was killed in a car accident. Oh, that sucks. He says, "Can you come in?" And he says, "Can you come out?" Yeah. So I jumped. In, I jumped life. in my Barracuda <laughs> and drove to Denver. It's an eight-hour drive. Nice. And I knew everybody there. I knew. Barracuda. What's a Barracuda? It's a Plymouth Barracuda. I'm thinking it's like kind of like a sporty car, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I have an image of it. It was in my a 1969 head. Barracuda with a 340 engine. A fun in it. drive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I drove out there, and it wasn't an audition. I knew everybody. Bill Stapleton was there. Jim Skajari. I knew all those guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it wasn't an audition. Sure. <clears throat> and Larry said, can you come in right now? And I said, Larry, 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 <laughs> I've got one more semester before I graduate. i got to see this thing through. Sure, sure. <clears throat> and he said, well, let me... S-, he says, if I bring someone in from a field band, I have to keep them for a year. He said, let me call your draft board and see if they will defer you for that year. And he called my draft board, and they said, oh, no. He said, once he's graduated, he's ours. Oh, sure. So I <laughs> they said, you on the front I lines. Said, man, this isn't going to work, is it? And he said, no. He said, but let me call over the Air Force Academy. <clears throat> so he called over the academy, and he comes back, and he says, they've got a position open in the drum corps, the Air Force drum corps over there. Mm-hmm. So I jumped in my car, drove over to the academy, and met Sergeant Radomsky, 
played some rudiments. And he says, yeah, you're in. Ah, nice. I said, cool. <laughs> Easiest audition ever. <laughs> cool. So, so uh, you had one semester of school left. Yeah. And then instead of doing that semester, you, you joined up. I went into in the, the band. I went into the Air Force Academy Drum Corps. Oh, okay. The Air Force Drum Corps. How many how many years did you do in that? Was it four? Oh no no. I was only there one season, about six months. Oh, six months. Oh, okay. And tr- they transferred me into the Falcon Airs, into the into the jazz band. So I went into the to the to the Air Force Drum Corps for for a season, and it, the word kind of got around in the bands there. You. You have to remember that Colorado Springs is a military town. Mm-hmm. There's Fort Carson, which is the largest. One of my good friends ended up there, actually. She lives there right now with her husband. Oh, well, yeah. it's, it's one of the largest uh, supply depots for yeah. the Army. Yeah. There's Ent Air Force Base, which is... I think they're there, but they're around there. For yeah. Zach Base, yeah. <clears throat> Ent Air Force Base is the pay headquarters from, for the Air Force. Mm-hmm. There's Peterson Field, which is a landing field. That, there's the Air Force Academy. There's NORAD. Yeah. Well, all of these have officers clubs and NCO clubs. <clears throat> so the guys in the band would put together little groups to go out and make extra money playing at these things. Okay. So they started hiring me. Nice. And the Falconers were really starting to kick and traveling a lot. And the drummer in there was a, a career player. Uh, he was in for 20. His name was Bill Barber. By career, do you mean like career military guy? Yeah, yeah. He was going to stay for twenty. That was just his plan. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, the rest of us, uh, we were first termers, and once my four years was up, I'm out of there. Sure. Frank Mantooth, out of there. You know, Bill Stapleton, out of there. I never did military time, so well, I don't regret it. I'm proud of what I did there. Sure. Uh, I don't regret it. I, uh, so, Bill didn't want to travel that much because he had a family. Mm-hmm. And he was also playing in the in the in the concert wins, the Air Force concert band. Right. <clears throat> so I got called into the major's office, Major Thurston's office. He was the squadron band squadron leader there. And I thought, uh oh, why am I being called into the you know sure. <laughs> what have I done wrong? Uh and I went in and he said, uh, Sergeant Mouse would you be interested in transferring over to the Falcon Airs? I said, yeah, but what about Sergeant Barber? And he said, Sergeant Barber has recommended you to take his place. Ah, all right. <clears throat> he saved my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I spent four years playing with one of the best bands in the world. And this is where you were traveling a lot. Oh, yeah. And we had, and we had, and recording a lot. Uh, Do you have any of these recordings? Oh, I have them all. Oh, you gotta you gotta share one with me. I, Maybe I'll, if I'll do that. Where people can get to them, I can I, put up a link or something. I'm not sure I, if they're no. In fact, uh, the band had <laughs> a weekly radio show on the monitor okay. stations called Off We Go. So we spent a lot of time in Las Vegas, nice, and in Los Angeles, recording and making records, sure, and doing soundtracks for Air Force promotional films. We did. Uh, a great thing called Ambassadors in Blue. Did you get a lot of freedom to kind of like, uh, you know, because you're still in in the Air Force, so was it real strict like the schedule? Did you guys like start recording at like 7 a.m.? Oh, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sometimes. no, you didn't want to mess around, man. Sure. <laughs> you know, you didn't want to mess around. That was a, 
<laughs> I went in. Everybody at the Air Force Academy. Uh, what I guess I'm really asking is, like, was it a really regimented lifestyle, or were you able to like kind of have enough of your own time to go out and enjoy like music and, and stuff like oh, that sure. on your own? Oh no, when we were in L.A. or we would, you know, we'd record during the day. We'd go out at night and see music and nice. you know, oh no, <laughs> and in Vegas, my God, have know. a good time. Yeah, that's where really I'm asking because oh, yeah, you, you got to hang out in Vegas Lord. in the. In the seventies, no Frank, Frank Mantooth and I uh, were roommates for four years. Okay, <clears throat> and Frank and I did some crazy things, man. Uh, sure, <laughs> uh, we had a day off in Vegas, and at the time, Pancho <laughs> Gonzalez, the great tennis player, okay, was not giving <laughs> tennis tennis lessons at Caesar's Palace. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Frank and I decided let's go. I love tennis. This is one of my favorite he, sports. He said, let's go. To, Frank and I were playing tennis at the time. You know? <laughs> and Frank says, let's go take a, let's go take a, uh, a lesson. A, 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 a tennis lesson. Sure. So we went in there, were whacking the ball around and just, you know, being nuts. Was he like incredible the way they got? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, but we were just screwing around. He knew we were screwing around. And, you know, he was, he was having a good time with us. So, like the spin, so we get done and we're ball. walking through Caesar's <laughs> Palace. And Caesar's <laughs> Palace at that time had hired. Joe Lewis, the boxer, as a greeter. Okay. So we're walking through, and there's Joe Lewis shaking his, hands with everybody. So he wasn't fighting anymore? No, no, no. No, and, no. He's quite elderly. Yeah, yeah. But Frank looked at me, and he says, well. Cool, he got a job doing that. He said, well, we just played tennis with Pancho Gonzalez. He says, you want to go pick a fight with Joe Lewis? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know? So the best it was really a, ever, no was really a wonderful way to and not only that, even but risk we, it. we made a lot of contacts. I mean... Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, we did an we did an album called Sketches with Sammy Nestico, uh, um, Herb Ellis, hmm. um, Dick Nash. Wow, we, we did albums with all these guys. So this this wasn't Air Force involved. This oh yeah, was it just, was. Oh, okay. Oh wow. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's that's great. And so they they had the. Their their primary mission was just to kind of provide entertainment to the, uh, you know. It, it was it, it was a troops. well we we played a lot of of um, professional jazz festivals as guests. Sure, sure. Uh, a lot of uh, school jazz festivals, hmm. a lot of civic things, a lot of <clears throat> POW MIA rallies, prisoners hmm. of war missing in action rallies. Oh geez, yeah, that sounds. Uh, which were very sad, you know. Uh, I don't even know what that But it was really a public is. relations group for the Air Force. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is that just when people can come together who yeah. know someone who's missing in action? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. That's kind of what, yeah. yeah, and those were very, you know. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Uh, At least maybe you, you brought them some, you know. Yeah, some, some relief. Yeah, with, with some good music, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, and the band, was, the band was so good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, there was an arranging staff for that band. You know, Frank Mantooth. Wow. Uh, 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 Dave Belanger, um, John Lawson, Dale Chamberlain. Hmm. That's all these guys did. They played in the band, but they were paid to write. Sure. <laughs> and we got new charts every week, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. What are some tunes you guys were like? Uh, well, Frank Mantooth did a great a arrangement of yeah, a tune. That <laughs> uh, a tune that you guys might know. Um <clears throat> I remember Dave Belanger did a great thing on um, Smiling Phases, the Ides of March tune, you know. 
So yeah. we, we did you know, like big grand rock things. And, I don't know that tune, but I think I'd recognize it. Uh, we did. Uh, we also had to play cadet dances okay. at the Air Force <laughs> Academy. So we had a dance man book. And we would also, uh, they would bring us into like Nellis Air Force Base to play the general's birthday party. Sure. What kit did you have? What, what kit did they provide? I was with? using, no, it was my own. Okay. And I had a great set of Rogers. Rogers. Uh, I had a Dynasonic snare. <clears throat> Very uh, nice. It was a Rogers. Uh, did you have white, to have like white the, marine pearl? The colors of the no. What, what is the Air Force color? Blue. Blue? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, two floor toms and nice. <laughs> Sometimes I'll sell drum sets to various organizations, including my wife's organization. Uh, she she works at Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, and they've got a. A kit yeah. with the the bright blue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When we happened to have, they're like, oh, that'd be perfect for us. <laughs> no, we didn't do that. Uh, uh, it was a, an amazing instrument. I loved that instrument. Uh, sure. It right. was what a, size is 22, it was a 22. 13, 16, probably? Yeah. 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 And then Dynasonic Snare. Oh, yeah. Is that a metal one? Uh, I had a metal one and a, and, a, and, a, and a wood one. Oh, you had a wood one too, yeah. Uh, at one time in my life, sure. not at the same time, kind of rare. I owned three Dynasonics and let them all go. Oh, yeah. You didn't. Yeah, you should have held on to it. For really, another. I should have hung yeah. on to my baseball cards. Sure. And, and my, you know, collectibles game. And, and my yeah. Dynasonic snare drums. You never know what's going to gain value. What a, well, not <laughs> only that, things. but those Dynasonic snare drums were amazing drums to play. Yeah, yeah they're very, very cool drums. Uh, Roy and uh, Ben Strauss, they were all involved in creating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the old Rogers hardware. Mm-hmm. Come on, Swivel the mag. new stuff is just beefed up Rogers hardware. Yeah, they, the ball and socket the ball and stuff. Socket, that's yeah. I think that's their innovation. I don't think anyone oh, it did is. that before. Ben that. Strauss, right? Ben Strauss came up and with all those pedal designs. They're so nicely designed too, because every part is metal, so you can almost tell that. I don't know, but I feel like when people built things a long time ago, sometimes they took uh, they 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 took more into account how long it will last versus. How absolutely perfectly can you get it right exactly where you want it? Because oh, the, the they weren't so adjustable. Are, are a little easier that to it get drove you crazy. Tight, yeah. <laughs> they were so adjustable that <laughs> they're light too. They were just adjustable enough. Oh yeah. You know, there's. there's Did you think they shake too much? That's the one complaint that everyone always has. I never those. noticed that. I never had an issue with it either. They do a little bit really? more, more. Well, I mean, more so than like a center mount. You know, like Probably. A, a one tom. You know, hanging off the side. I don't know. They almost they almost make the drum look like it's floating in the air because it's it's. Huh. You know what I mean? I never thought of that. It's not like the big modern stuff. The, well, you're right. The rims mount. I, I like it so that the hardware you can't see it. If <laughs> the less of it you see, the more of the drums you see, the better. <laughs> I agree. First thing we do whenever we picture a kit is we take the rims mount off. <laughs> wow. That's you know well most of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was an amazing set. Yeah, uh, I played pretty, that. I played that all the way sweet. through the through the service. <clears throat> and when I got out of the service, uh, uh, yeah, what was next? Well, I, I spent a little bit of time in LA, but not enough to. Uh, uh, I was kind of in and out. I was kind of. I was kind of in and out of LA. Sure, that's what it's uh, called, right? Hollywood Drum Shop. That's their big one. They've got. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a cool shop. Uh, it's, 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 one of it's, it's kids there. I think. Well, I, I became really good friends with <clears throat> Drake Hanna. Okay. Crazy Jake, man. <laughs> I've I've heard some stories about. Oh man, Jake was a mess. Yeah. 
constantly getting fired because he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't edit. Oh yeah. He had no filter. Sure, okay. That. And uh, <laughs> so people like that are fun sometimes. I was I was doing a jingle session in small doses. In, um, <laughs> Somewhere in town, and that's when we had answering services. There were no answering machines. Sure. And the big, the big musicians' answering service out there was called Penny's Hotline. Okay. And it was Lanny Morgan's wife. Lanny Morgan was a great saxophonist with with Maynard's band. Yeah, yeah. And it was called Penny's Hotline. And so we all had, we were all with Penny's Hotline. So I checked my service, and um, the, the gal says, uh, you got a call here from Jake Hannah wants to know if uh, you're available for lunch. And I said, yeah, I'll call his service back, tell him. Uh, I said, where? And she said, Dante's. And I said, yeah, fine. <laughs> tell Jake I'll, I'll meet him at Dante's. So I walk in, and we're having lunch. And Tell me, give me a little background on Jake. Cause the... Oh, he was with Woody. Woody Herman's band, man. Okay. Uh with with Phil Wilson and Sal Nestico and mm. Bill Chase and all oh, that great band man that did um, what was that goddamn it, it was an incredibly fast fastest sure fastest tempo I've ever heard anybody play but yeah <laughs> um, and so Jake ended up as a studio guy he played on Murph Griffith's show and all that kind of thing okay yeah maybe that's where I know <laughs> but he, he, but his and then really he played really he was a drummer yeah. with a group called <laughs> yeah. Super Sax okay. <clears throat> And uh, Jake was very busy out there. Uh, kept getting fired, and he went with him. Sure, jump from job. Hey, you know. You know. So uh, <laughs> we was uh, like opinionated about the way it oh, should be. Oh man, and Doing just it like this. wouldn't Doing it like keep this. wouldn't keep it. You know, just sure. <laughs> uh, so um, we're sitting there, and I think I can be like that sometimes. I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'll let people know. What if I think. anybody, you know, like if anybody. If you if you sound like if I sound like anybody, it's probably Shelly Mann. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorite drummers. Because in 1959, I bought the Shelly Mann at the Blackhawks series. I've seen you play. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Shelly in your playing. I think. Oh yeah. man, I mean, and I fell in. I mean, that should be required listening. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a lot of drummers they go to school for jazz and they never even listen to Shelly one time. And sometimes, yeah. If you want to know how to swing, if you want to define swing, listen to Shelly Manning's "Minute the Black Hawk." Yeah. With Monty Budwig and, and where's where's the Black? That was in L.A. No, it was in San Francisco. Okay, San Francisco. Yeah. All right. And there's I the record I have is at the Manhole. I think that's what it's called. Those are good albums. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. And that was in. But the 59 recordings. He's always West Coast. It's it's six. (laughs) Well, his dad was, he's from New York. Oh, okay. Oh, his dad was the contractor at Radio City Music Hall. All right. Shelley (laughs) studied with um, Billy Gladstone. Oh, okay, cool. My dad, I think, has told me that before. Yeah. (laughs) So. Someone told me that. So I've been, and it it always drove Roy crazy. Yeah. He says, because I sounded like Shelley and not him, you know. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I couldn't sound like Roy Burns, man. Yeah. Nobody can sound like Roy Burns. Roy Burns sounded like. I mean, where's an example? The some good recordings. Okay, the four, the four guy, the four, the four fast guns around at that time were Buddy, Louis Belson, Jack Sperling, and Roy Burns. Those okay. were the fast guns. I could never play that. You know, Real, no, 
Chops. Yeah. So <laughs> chops oriented guys. But Shelley's time field just So I've been a yeah. I was a worshiper. Sure. <laughs> so in walks Shelley with two other guys, and I said, Jake, is that Shelley Man? He says, Yeah, you know Shelley? I said, No, I don't know Shelley Man. I don't know him. <laughs> sure. He said, Well, come on, I'll introduce you. And I said, Really? <laughs> and Jake is Jake, man. We walk up to the table. And Jake says, Shelly, Jack Mouse, new kid in town. He sounds just like you. <laughs> Thanks, man. I could have killed him. Wrong <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But, I mean, Shelly knew Jake, you know. Sure, so we was, laughed it off. He was kind of like almost pulling your legs. But Shelly and, and I became close. Sure. He would have me over for supper. And I, I kept saying, I want you to teach me. Come on, man. Give me some lessons. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm not a teacher. He said, he said okay. So we'd, we'd go over, and his wife would make tuna salad sandwiches. He lived in the hmm. valley. He had Shelly raised quarter horses. Oh, okay. And so I'd, a, I'd finally look at him after, the, and I'd say, are, are you, I'd say, are you ever going to teach me anything? And he says, yeah. I thought I was. Sure. So Shelly and I became close friends. And whenever he would come to town, and after I moved to Chicago, he uh, he would play the showcase. Mm. And um, when did he pass away? I'm trying to think. It's been a while now. I never see. I've never seen him. Before. It's been a while now. Uh, um, great loss. A great player. He's, he's on all those Mancini but records. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it, was it like maybe in the? We don't get the exact year, but it was in like the 2000s. It'd or be in uh, like nine, no. 90s, maybe. It would have been um, have late no 80s. Oh, late 80s, wow. Yeah. Oh, geez. I think. Uh, uh, and he was just amazing, man. Uh, That's why I never saw him. <laughs> just amazing swinging player, man. His. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His. Uh, like uh, him and Barrett Deems are the two drummers, I think, that yeah. are up there for. <laughs> for swinging? Maybe. Yeah. A, and they're a little lesser known than the, you know, the. the Big well, five, maybe, or a big ten. Shelley made probably more money than any drummer in the world. Oh, yeah? Was he smart? Was he smart with his he money? Was a he, was a, he owned Shelley's manhole. He owned the club. Sure, yeah, definitely a businessman. He yeah. was the top call. You realize, like, they're, they're the ones who are selling all this booze to everybody. I want to yeah. own that. I don't want to. I want to play in the band, too. And, but. and, not, and yeah. not only that, but he was <laughs> one of the top call sure. studio players in LA for movies. Right, right. He's on a lot of those Mancini things. And, uh, you know, he made a lot of money. Yeah, good for him. Um, and was just a sweet, sweet guy. He came into <laughs> town once, and he called me. He said, I'm playing the showcase. So this is when you're later to Chicago. I'm, li I'm living here now. Yeah. And he, uh, so I said, yeah, I'll be in tonight. And it was the middle of a blizzard. Oh, geez. <laughs> but I called Kelly Sill. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know Kelly. And uh, uh, Kelly's... I didn't know and you Kelly know will tell you this, <laughs> that Kelly sounds a lot like Monty Budwig. <laughs> okay. <laughs> who's Shelley's partner in crime. All right. <laughs> and he was in town. I said, come on, man. Let's. He said, I'll meet you there. How I'll long have you known Kelly for? Oh, since before I moved into Chicago. Uh, okay. Kelly and I met uh, on pickup bands before I moved here. We were playing with Ray Eberly at Kodak Park cool. in... Um, Rochester, New York, together. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I've seen him play many times. He's a he's oh no, he. Uh, I was in the Chicago Jazz Quintet with Kelly. Yeah, um, uh, virtuosic bass player. Uh, Always, yeah. Very. Uh, he did a lot of Janice's camps with us. You know, mm. with Dan Hurley, and um, um, so we meet down there, right? Sure. And there's there's nobody in the club. All right. This it's is the last showcase on. Um, no, on across the street from the Hilton. Across the street from the Hilton. So this is the one... At the hotel, Blackstone. Blackstone, okay. I did go there once. I went to the Blackstone one one time. So there's hardly anybody in the club because it's a blizzard out there. So... Uh, and Kelly tells this story better than I do. He, he wants to meet Shelly and he wants to meet Bonnie. So I said, I said okay, I'll introduce you to Shelly. Shelly wanted to introduce you to Monty. Mm-hmm. So Shelly finishes the set, comes up to the bar where we are, we are and uh, I said, Shelly, this is a partner of mine, Kelly Sill, and Kelly raises, reaches out his hand, and an old friend of Shelly's walks through the door, and Shelly turns on his heels and goes, hey, man, like we just walked off. <laughs> See, so Shelly tells this story. He says, he blew me off. I said, no, he didn't blow you off. It, <laughs> there was another time. Awkward. Another <laughs> yeah. time, Shelly was. Shelly had this very, and this was, you know, remember octagon symbols, octagon uh, shaped symbols. I, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I don't think I've ever. Well, this was, one, but though. this was before. Who made them? I think Sabian. Sabian, made them. yeah, that sounds right. But Shelly had picked this up exactly in a, in a pawn shop in Europe somewhere. What's he doing with one of those? I don't know. And he played it, and he sounded great. <laughs> nice. And every now and then, like trash can every now and then, last set where nobody would be in the club, Shelly sure. would say, "You want to sit in with a group?" Nice. And I said, "Yeah, man." So those are he, the best jazz shows when there's like maybe ten I mean, people, twenty people. There, there. there yeah. weren't that many. Yeah. So you want there to be? So at I least said to Shelly, "I said, Shelly, <laughs> Shelly, can I play that cymbal?" Sure. He says, "Have at it, man." So I went up and I'm playing with Frank and 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 and, and Marty, and I went over and touched that cymbal once. And I, Whoa! You dug it? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't like it? <laughs> oh right. God, no! And I walked off the band. I mistook your reaction. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Shelly said, "I noticed you didn't play the cymbal much." And I said, "How do you play that thing?" Yeah. He says, "Jack says there are no bad cymbals." He says, "You learn how to play your equipment." Yeah. Yeah, man. He says there are no bad cymbals. You learn how to deal with the equipment that you own. <laughs> so lesson learned. Sure. Lesson learned, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Some so, guys get real obsessed with gear. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm off and on with it. I bet you sure. are too. You know. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's kind of my job to 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 well, yeah. be to be with it and to be really interested in it. I, oh come on, you guys got the best job that, in the world. I think sometimes, yeah, they're 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 almost like pieces of art. The drum sets, they're just so beautiful. It's not necessarily going to make you sound better. But it, it might, uh, it, it is a piece of art, though. They're really, really well, and, stuff, the special and, stuff. I mean, <laughs> and Janice taught me this years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> People hear what they see. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It, that's, that's a big thing, visual, yeah. You know? <laughs> sure. It, yeah, if you, if, if you present yourself nicely, you have a, an interesting-looking kit, it makes a big difference. If you're, when people I was, are going to watch the whole show. When you know? I was with Clark Terry, Clark <laughs> always said, never let your, never let your audience outdress you. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. and Clark made us buy clothes, man, you know. Sure. Did he, uh, you guys had to pay for him. That was, that was on you. 
Clark, I had a way of reimbursing you that. You ever like rent rent stuff for 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 some of those bands? No, they like don't the, fit. And oh with, well, yeah. I mean, with the military stuff, you, did you wear mostly like a dress uniform when you were playing? No, no, no. The, we had we they have Air Force tuxes that we Ooh, we even wore. nicer. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's cool. Yeah. Did you get to keep that? Did you still have? No, it? no, no. No, they take it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do everything that way, don't they? It's to like account for it. To oh, I have sure. all my uniforms, but not the tux. Oh, you get to keep your uniform nice. Yeah. Yeah. I still. I can't fit into them, but I sure. <laughs> yeah. I still own them. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's always a struggle. I'm I'm uh, predisposed to gaining weight. I think I'm just a big guy in general. And any other, I'm trying to lose weight now. That's my new. Oh, I'm, me too. I told you I went on a big bike ride. Like, me too. Two days it's a ago. constant battle, man. What's a What's a good type of uh, exercise you like? What do you, what do you Oh, do? I, I exercise jog uh, or maybe. No, we exercise uh, mm. seven days a week, two hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> and we do tai chi and qigong. That's more than me, I think. <laughs> Although uh, work here can be pretty physical, so yeah, absolutely moving stuff all the time. <laughs> and you know, when we weren't playing during the during the pandemic, man, I mean, yeah, so all you do is pain. eat, right? All I do is eat and drink. <laughs> so I'm still trying to knock that off. You know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You get addicted to like an overly priced local restaurant that will deliver now that never never should have delivered in the first place. That. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem I have with 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 the qigong and and tai chi is there's not enough cardio. For oh me. sure, yeah. So we have a Nordic track and we have a stationary bike. Yeah, bicycling's really good. It's really yeah. easy on the joints. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. Well, I I I I jogged for years. I ran for years. Yeah, not so easy. Tennis, not easy on the joints. <laughs> My <laughs> knees gave out. Yeah. And Janice uh, Janice bought me a Nordic track. Yeah. <laughs> and that nice. works. Yeah. That works. Um, Someone told me once, um, when you turn 40, you got to start being a professional athlete. Sure, <laughs> just to keep yourself, yeah, you know, yeah, from, yeah. from falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 36 now. I'm almost 37. Wow. I'm going on 40, pushing 40. Sorry, I'm, I'm 76. Yeah, so yeah, we're, we're yeah, exactly like... A generation apart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Although, yeah, we're technically a little more, yeah, because I'm technically a millennial. Although I'm a very, very uh, old millennial, because I was born in '85, which is like it's, oh, wow. it's exactly in between. Oh my gosh! So am I a Gen Xer or am I a millennial? Like I remember because you're just tapes. a you're just a young no sprout, man. Yeah, 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 I'm I'm pretty. I don't know though. I feel like uh, I've, I've done a lot in my in my short life. <laughs> oh, if I died kidding? tomorrow, I would I would feel are you as kidding, though I had wasted I don't, too I don't much know time. another place like this. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. That's. I'm, I'm so fortunate to be to to have have my dad. Like yeah. I say, you, you guys have got the best job in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and you know, I mean, any more. We're very fortunate. Uh, Janice and I, uh, Janice and I are moving. Right, right. We talked about this a little bit. Yeah, how's that all going? Are you are you guys? We're moving uh, back to Emporia. Yeah, it'll be less less property taxes, I think. Yeah, I'm looking to buy a house right now, so I'm all these property tax and estimate and all this stuff. Is well, funny. that and <laughs> we have so many friends there, and Very nice. um, we're at the point where we can pretty much run our business sure from anywhere. Uh, and uh, in fact, October first. What well, what's the business you're you're referring to here? Well, otherwise we have our groups. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, we have our publishing company. We have a recording company. Yeah, we, we, have, we have to talk about this. We are yeah. a record company. Um, so you're going to transport the whole studio, studio no, out there? No, we're not. We're not oh. going to. No, uh, it's the place we're building. 
No, because there's no engineers there, you know. Okay. <laughs> we'll continue to record, but we'll probably I'd come. I'd help you, engineer. I, I we'll probably come back to to Chicago to record. Nice, nice. Hey, you ever need to use any of my stuff, just let me know. That's very... I, and you will be hearing from us. <laughs> Great. We use, uh, we use Steve Yates a lot. He's been our engineer for years. Nice. I, I wouldn't even mind if you brought someone in to, to be, you know, to work. Yeah, whatever. Well, that'd be great. Care. That's very kind of my, you, man. My studio. I mean, obviously, I'd want to be there so I could show them how where everything is. And oh no, all that's, patch bays and that's everything. very kind of you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I just I just want people to use it. I just want people to use. It. I built it, and I didn't really build it to make money because that would not be. Uh, you know, <laughs> there are you can make money with a studio, but that's not really my objective there. I just I just love. It's like being a musician. Recording music. It's like being like a musician. Sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, any more. For us to go out and work right now, it has to be one of two things. It either has to pay very well or it has to be a lot of fun. Sure, sure. If you can put those two together. Yeah, then it's even better. That's great. <laughs> yeah. but that doesn't happen very often. But sure. right now, we're just doing things we want to do, not things that we're in a position where we're, we don't feel like we have to do what we're making the decisions. Sure. <laughs> uh, we run. I run my band. She runs her band. Uh, uh, we run. Um, Do you guys have like any regular engagements? <clears throat> any like uh, kind of like monthly or? Oh no. Or like. No 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 no. Uh, uh, we do. I was just like, yeah, most of the, you, go, I was wondering most of the work we do is out of <laughs> yeah. most of the work we do is out of town. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, uh, <clears throat> We did. Uh, we usually do a concert in Emporia about once a year. Nice. Um, uh, and the band is amazing. It's Scott Robinson, uh, Fareed Hawk, um, Larry Gray, um, uh, uh, Art Davis. Who who did I see you play with? I saw you play one time. Uh, I think it was the maybe just the big band that was with uh, the school in Naperville, the college in Naperville. Um, wow, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was. This was like eight years ago, maybe. I don't know. I did see you play though once. It was great. I don't know. Uh, it was. And then was you, it with a school band? I got a bunch of your albums too. I think it was just with like the yeah the college like all the professors. Oh, it was a it was a faculty concert. Faculty, yeah, 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 yeah. But probably not a big band. Maybe it was. Maybe like nine piece. Maybe could be. That's probably yeah, it. Was our, could be. Uh, we run it. We we have a holiday package that we use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for Christmas, we take out. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, we're gonna, we're really you... focusing right now on. Uh, we have a uh, a free ensemble called Three Story Sandbox. Nice, which plays um, entirely free music. Okay, see, this is another thing we talked about. I I put a record on of my buddy Charles, who's actually been on this podcast before. Oh wow! And, and he Charles Rumbeck, you know him. He's uh, I know the name. Yeah, he's a local drummer. Really, really good. That was him, though. <laughs> that was what we were, we were no, playing. No, in, in fact, uh, <clears throat> oh shoot, Steve. The new CDs, yeah. Uh, no, these are old. Okay, <laughs> that's a duo album with Scott and I. Very nice. And this is Three Story Sandbox. You just keep these. Oh, thanks. Have I given you a copy of my record? I think I might have. I think so, or yeah. I didn't, I'll give you one. <laughs> I don't know you haven't. Awesome. Maybe I'll give you one. I got <clears throat> Great. I don't even really sell them. I just kind of give them to my friends. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah I, was, I think I put, it cost me about five grand to do the pressing. Oh, I know. Which, it's not, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a lot, but yeah. considering I'll have that forever, I have like well, 500 copies, you know. And it's, 
it's a thing that you need to do. Yeah, yeah. Say, I felt like this that. is where I was 1997. Absolutely, this is where I was. You know, yeah. These are all watermarks. Right. I knew I there was always a sense of urgency for me. It has to happen now. It would be so frustrating sometimes when you're trying to get the group together. Oh, I agree. And then someone is sick or something, and it's like, oh, geez, no, we need to finish this project. No, we just did our <laughs> last project at at Tallgrass, our home at Tallgrass Studio. Yeah, you guys have a really cool studio. That's great. It's beautiful. Uh, we're going to miss it. Yeah. Um, but we did a, a three-story sandbox project with Janice and I and Scott. Awesome. In April, and then we brought in a guest artist. Um, yeah, I can't wait to listen to it. Um, Mark Feldman, jazz violinist, who is cool. uh, on most of John Abercrombie's last last, last recordings. Very nice. And so uh, we just <clears throat> finished mixing that. It's being mastered now. <clears throat> and actually, we did a uh, a concert workshop over at North Central. Okay. Uh, and uh, Ryan Bennett came in. And, oh, Ryan, uh, yeah. So we're getting ready to put that up. Are you two good buddies? Uh, oh, yeah. I love a lot of photography. Ryan, Ryan did the, uh, there's an accompanying video with this book. Okay. And he and Joanne came in and did the. Uh, nice. Uh, the I miss account- them. I never the talked to them anymore. Video. <laughs> if, oh, you, if you could- talk to them, tell them to give me a call or come to the shop. He's, give them the tour. <laughs> he's great, man. Uh, he's yeah. a great drummer. And uh, she's an, an great photographer. incredible pianist. Yeah, she's great photographer and Joanne's great pianist. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I listened to she was on she's playing some Charlie Parker stuff uh on uh WDCB. It was like a live show. This was maybe like a year ago. Could be. I think she did a fantastic job. It was really, really great. It was a lot of uh She's in DC she's now conducting uh um, no guitar, so <laughs> conducting this all girl show musical. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know. I knew she she was yeah, doing. She's uh, back doing that again, and uh, it seems like a good gig. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You, that union thing, I think probably. Oh yeah, you reckon? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My yeah. wife, she always has to deal with all the unions downtown. Where are you a union guy or? I just. Uh, you probably were. I just. Some point, quit I mean. la- yeah, last year. Oh okay. The uh, dues weren't worth it anymore. <laughs> well. Well, what are the dues if you if you if you're in the union? What do you? Pay? I don't know. You know I. Uh, I've never been in it. My I, I, dad. I, I joined the musicians' union, <clears throat> local thirty-six in Topeka when I was fourteen. Right. <laughs> and I had to take. When you're in the military, you can't be in a union. Okay. So those four years had to. Yeah. And at one time, I had an eight hundred two card in New York. <laughs> okay. I had a thirty-six card out of Topeka. And I had a local 47 card. So you're in many unions. I had a local 47 card out of L.A. You have to pay each one. <laughs> Four. And a Chicago card. Yeah. How many times do you <clears throat> have to join this union? Right. <laughs> That's kind of frustrating. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> the work we do now is non-union related. Yeah, yeah. We do jazz festivals, colleges, workshops, yeah, overseas. Back in the day, they didn't. They didn't mess around, and they seemed to have, like, every club that had live music they would be involved in, but it doesn't seem to be like that anymore. And nowadays it seems that most no. small clubs completely, no. the union is uninterested <clears throat> in them. No. Just big venues. No. Huge yeah. venues, yeah. Well, I mean, mainly they monitor the symphony. Yeah, yeah. And the theaters. Right. Uh, and the jingle business, when there was a jingle business here. Sure. Yeah, people talk when, when we stories were, about that all the time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> man, I mean... We all made a pretty decent living. Oh, you did some of that stuff? Oh, yeah. 
So this Janice, would be just you come in. Janice did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you, did you play? Like drum set on that? Stuff? Yeah. Cool. That must have been, yeah. that must have been fun, kind of. Yeah, you you come in to do a jingle. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and you were in and out. Sure, right? that's what I mean. Yeah, a little, little paycheck. Tommy Radke <laughs> was the jingle king in town. Okay. Uh, he and his wife Bonnie Herman. All right. Oh yeah, they. Where were they out of? They in, the, in Chicago in the city. Oh yeah, they lived here. Yeah. <clears throat> and Tommy, uh, if Tommy wasn't working, nobody was. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, if he was off, everybody was off. Right. <laughs> uh, and a good guy and a good drummer. Yeah. Um, still alive, still around. Has he been to our shop? I might even. I don't know. Wonder if I know him. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't think so. But when when he was in town, there. I mean, Steve Rodby was here. Uh, Rufus Reed, all those guys yeah. were in town, man. You know Rufus. <laughs> oh, I, Rufus and I did a lot of the summer cramps, summer, summer work together. Abersold. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, well, I, I wonder. I did go to one Abersol camp. <laughs> I wonder if you, I don't think you were there, though. Where at? Uh, it was. Wesleyan? Where was it? I mean, what's the closest? Illinois one? Wesleyan. Uh, or uh, we were at DeKalb for a while. I think it was in Kentucky. Oh, then it, yeah, that's it. He, Jamie, pretty much closed down except the Kentucky camp. Yeah, yeah that was I did it just yeah. one time. I like no, no, I liked, no. During uh, the during the camp years, is he still doing it? It's still going. Yeah, right? yeah, it's still a big thing. But the years of the big camps. Yeah, uh, I was doing national stage band camps or summer jazz clinics, Clark Terry's camp, <laughs> uh, the Saskatchewan Summer School of the Arts camp in Canada. Um, You're a busy guy. <laughs> we would leave in June and not get home till September. Yeah, that sounds like too much. <laughs> I'd be... I was great though. Did, did I would the... never, I would never gotten to play. Did with they all, all have those. cafeterias? Yeah, I love, I love the the eggs. <laughs> those cafeterias are always well, so good, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> the eggs and the bacon. Uh, if they do bacon, <laughs> that's one of the things that the camps I always remember. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> Those camps were amazing, man, uh, <laughs> because I attended those camps. Sure. And then ended up on staff. What about Birch Creek? I did Birch Creek. Okay, I, I was there too, but you weren't there when I was there. Rich Thompson. I only did there. it for a couple of years. Did you? Were you before when? Uh, no, uh, I did it when um, Jim. Oh, he ran the percussion department of the American Conservatory for years. Um, I think I might and he owned Birch Creek. Okay, J it started as a percussion camp, and then the jazz. I think so. I think so. Yeah, um, that was so great up there. You remember the no air conditioning? Oh, I was up there the year that the food poisoning hit hit camp. Oh yeah, <laughs> and we were all sick, and they closed down the camp and quarantined us. And I have a funny disaster. That's where I met Bunky Green. <laughs> I I'd never done my own laundry before, so I was really scared. This is when I was like I think twelve. I yeah. I went really young. I think they maybe whatever the first year is. They, yeah, <laughs> I was really nervous, and I was so nervous I wouldn't ask anybody because I didn't want to look like a an Geek. imbecile. Yeah, <laughs> like a, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> what? You've never done your laundry before? <laughs> look at this kid over here. You know. <laughs> all right, Mister. Uh, you, you know. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Got Richie Richie over here. He's never but done. But we it all went through that, right? <laughs> right, right. But and, and, and so. Why did I screw it up, though? It was a disaster. I, I put my clothes in and washed them, and I didn't get to the dryer step because I was one of the machines was really confusing to me. So, and I was too embarrassed to ask anybody. So I ended up with a, 
a duffel bag full of wet clothes. <laughs> and I was like, it'll be fine. They'll dry in there. <laughs> so I, and this is in the really By the time you hot, get home. Yeah, really hot, <laughs> sticky. And then, we're, you know, you got like 25 teenagers. And, and, and then the so bugs. For the rest of the camp, I just basically just smelled like mildew. It was just oh, it was so it was so bad. I ended up actually wearing the same shirt six days in a row because yeah, it was at that time the facilities. <laughs> my funny story. At, at that time the facilities up there were not good. Well, yeah, but <clears> I kind of <throat> liked it though. It was it was intense. It wasn't like going onto a college campus. Yeah, there was no air conditioning. We we slept in bunks and no AC where where we slept. The right. only room that had air conditioning was like the lounge. Yeah, and that's where you'd go. Yeah. For that, but it was really amazing because just the amount of practice I got done when I was there because yeah. it was so miserable. You just well, and the and the barn is a is a good place to play. I love playing Absolutely. in the barn. Did they have the big practice rooms yet when you were there? Maybe yeah, because one well, time I went, they didn't the, have them. The second time, Janice's vocal camp ran for twenty six years. Okay, and the twenty sixth year <laughs> we did up there. Okay, <laughs> so I mean they had they had housing that was like motel rooms and it was right. They've done a lot of, you know, a lot of good things up there, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I remember it very fondly, even yeah. though, because that one when Jim I was Dutton. very young, I just did percussion. Jim Dutton. That's, okay, that sounds... Yeah. Yeah, and, and he must have been there when I was there, because, yeah, the first time I did only if, percussion... If, was, and then if it was the early years, uh, <laughs> and he built that big A-frame over there. Okay, yeah. Across the, the, the road. Yeah, yeah. And that's where he and Fran stayed in the summer. And, uh, <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Do you know Rich Thompson? Know the name? He was. He's a really, really great educator. Yeah, he mm -hmm. did. A, he did a really good job. He taught me. Let's see. What's the biggest thing Rich taught me? He taught me that you don't always have to play brushes vertically, and that you can play them horizontally. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. He, well, cause, yeah. Cause I was doing like, hey, look, I can do doubles. Really oh fast. my, yeah. And he was just. He was like, hey, why don't you try this pattern and some of those patterns that really swing? You know. In fact, Ryan and I are going to get together. He's going <laughs> to. I'm going to do a brush video. Yeah, yeah. And Ryan's going to going to. Once this thing is out, and yeah, we got to talk about. Well, this we're book working here. on so many projects right Brand now. Copy uh, uh, that's the um, yeah, that's a book that I started back in the seventies. Oh wow, so it's been a, been a, quite a long project. Oh yeah, uh, and um, so yeah, I'm just it was on my bucket list, and Janice, this is actually Janice's book. Yeah. Janice did all the the what's the program? Not Sibelius. Yeah, Finale? Sibelius. Sibelius. She yeah. did all the Sibelius work. Yeah, it's it's, it's very nice. Very so well she uh, she did all the editing. This is really uh, this is really a Janice Boiler project. <laughs> you know, it's so nice you have such support. <laughs> well, and we do that. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of work putting the things. We I, I uh, we we have a five hundred one c three organization called. Uh, Flashpoint Creative Arts that we're really proud of. Um, yeah. We work with um, special needs people. Okay. Um, <clears throat> for free. Hmm. Um, the way that started uh, when we were at North Central, I got a got a call. Like music therapy, kind of like the. Well. <laughs> We're not musical therapists. Sure, because that is a degree you can get. Because we're not. <laughs> but uh, got a call. Uh, Brian Lynch, who was uh, head of the theater department, came up and said, "Sure, got a call from uh, Alma Jones, who's uh, the president-in-waiting of the Naperville Rotary Club, mm -hmm. 
And uh, so he put me in contact, she, and she wanted to know if it would be all right to bring uh, some students over from Little Friends, which is a big um, um, autism, oh, autism, autism, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, autism center in Naperville. Sure, sure. Yeah. And wanted to know if they, she could bring some students over I've to... I've driven by it before. I live, to, live out there. you know, uh, observe a, uh, one of my student rehearsals. And I said, sure. Okay. She showed up with about 60 people. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. And half, the, and half the Naperville Rotary Club. Sure. <laughs> and... So this was just like a... They were just kind of observing a regular rehearsal? One of my combo rehearsals. Okay. Well, That's my mama drowned the dumb ones, man. <laughs> So I went running down the hall because I've seen that lady save the day over and over again. Okay. <laughs> and I went down to her studio and said, Janice, I think you better come in on this. I said, this is way too much for me by myself. Sure. So anyway, we're playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. And I said, and they're sitting there, you know, and uh, I, I said, you know, uh, I'd like to have Janice come up and talk to you about vocal improvisation. Mm-hmm. So Janice came up, she's demonstrating some things, some trades back and forth with my student vocalist. And I'm standing in the back of the room. And uh, autism, they're, they're heavily staffed. Mm -hmm. They have to be. Sure, sure, yeah. <clears throat> and um, so uh, Janice finally looks up and she says, would anybody like to come up and sing with me? And I'm thinking, are you nuts? This is going nowhere. Sure. Sure enough, some young old man raised his hand. Oh, nice. And she came up, and they start singing together, improvising together. Awesome. And I'm standing next to one of the staff ladies, and she's wiping her eyes. And I finally said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, that young man has not said a word in class in two years. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's profound. Yeah, yeah. That's the power of the arts. Right on. <laughs> From then on, it was like we could have been there all day. Everybody wanted to come up and sing. That's great. So we got together with Alma and said, this is really a good thing. Why don't we get together with the Rotary Club and little friends? And we met at the studio over at our house. Cool. <laughs> and so until the pandemic hit, Janice and I were going over every other Monday and dealing, working with them on improvisation. That's Janice, awesome. Man. Janice and I, and we take a, a pianist with us. That's very cool. And we put them on one of our great evenings of jazz, and they brought the house down. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are actually savants. There was a young lady in there who sounded like Ella. Man. Sure. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes like recognizing patterns is something that. Uh, no filters, can be man. Really good at. No yeah. filters. And if you're insincere, they can smell you coming. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. I, I can imagine if you're, so, yeah. if you're a if you're a JA man, they can smell you. Sure. <laughs> and the first couple of sessions were really. But by the time we were done, there's a little kid named Blake, and he would walk in the room and he'd say, "Okay, Jack, let's do this." <laughs> nice. You know. Uh, That's awesome, man. So now this is another thing I I didn't know about. So now when Janice and I go out <clears throat> and take the band out. Play the last gig. We send the band home, and Janice and I stay, and deal with special needs people. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, we were actually in Emporia doing a thing at the Granada several a couple of years ago, and contacted a lady there, and she says, "Yeah, I can, I can put together groups to bring in for you." 
Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, let's start about 11 o'clock and see where we go. Sure. Uh, do, uh, what, about 45 minutes uh, per session. She brought in six people, six groups, man. Wow. Seven groups. Yeah. And I mean, it was bang, 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 bang. And that's very tedious, man. It's like, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. And they weren't just uh, autistic. They were some really, really challenged people. Came yeah, there's lack of any ability and to communicate. towards the really. end of the day, they wheeled a young man in, in a wheelchair, who had one of these rocking things going in. Hmm. Had to have someone there to keep him from, you know, falling out of the chair. Oh, and to look at him, you would think, and nonverbal, to look at him, you would think he doesn't know where he is or what's going on. Sure. So Janice is working with a group, and we do a thing where I play something, and she does the vocalization of it. Sure. So I went, and she goes, Brr, and this kid goes, Brr. He liked it. <laughs> It, the place went up for grabs. Nonverbal. Right. The place went up for grabs. Couldn't get him to do it again. But, I, but Stephen, I know. He got through to him for a I second. I know from that it was his way of saying, I am here. Sure. And I know what, I'm do, what you're doing. <laughs> you can't buy experience like that, man. Yeah, Jack. That's cool, man. Uh, and now it's a mission, man. Yeah, so this is this is like uh, a big part of what you're keeping busy with these days. Absolutely. Are you gonna uh, do the same thing down uh, where you're moving? Oh, absolutely. Uh, start up a new one. Essentially? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yes, I'm looking uh, they forward have to. A th- we've already talked to people at the Hetlinger. He said it's volunteer, so. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's not like. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. That's a good uh, way to spend your time. <laughs> uh, nobody else is doing it. Sure. Nobody. It it takes a vocalist to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Tim Wilsey, he he did a podcast with us a little while ago, and he he doesn't I don't deal know with him. Uh, you you may recognize him. He he works with us at the drum show sometimes. Um, yeah, you know he he's great. He does a fantastic job. You know, I've never job. been to the drum show. Oh, you've never been to the drum show. We've always been tied. <laughs> what up. have you been doing? We've always like been tied up or out of town or something. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, they do it every year. Yeah. Oh, but. I know. <laughs> I know. Maybe you, maybe you'll go now that you won't live here anymore. Yeah, know? probably. <laughs> well, I, we figure we'll probably do more work in Chicago now that we're gone. Sure. Sometimes it works out that it way. It does yeah. work out that way. Yeah. Why? Who knows? Maybe it's because you, I don't know. I I do find yeah, it's funny when I lived in the city. I would never go out and do things because I, I, I was so close to it. Yeah. But then when you're far from it, it's like, oh, that'd be fun going there. It's an adventure there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. And not that, but you're, if you're a, an artist or a musician, then you're the expert from afar. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? The, yeah. They, it, yeah. Uh, October 1st. We're moving back there September 1st. September 1st, yeah. And October 1st, uh, we are, Janice and I are... They've hired us to be the guest soloists with the University Jazz Band for their scholarship concert. Nice. So we're That's looking great. forward to doing that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, t- Tim, he, he deals with um, just people who have like dementia or, and then he just, he, he goes and he plays for them. And I, my grandma was with one of the groups that he played for. And it was really cool. She... She wasn't really into it. <laughs> they would just—they do like drum circles and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So it's music, and and 
she wasn't really into it, but some of the other people were having a having a blast. So, <laughs> and they're you know the, some of them are more with it than others. Some of them are like totally with it, and then sure. some of them are uh, they they don't even know where they are or, or who you are. Even if you're like even my know. grandma, like she didn't really know who I was or anything. And and just to see to see everyone in the circle kind of communicating via music was well, just really and cool. <laughs> you never know. You were probably getting through to her somehow. Sure, sure. Yeah, she she was she was great. Some sometimes I'd go see her, and she'd really seem to know me. And other the times, the arts are amazing, man. <laughs> sure, uh, we have a painting done by I can't remember his name. He's a African American autistic gentleman. Okay, and we have a painting. Charles. He goes by the name of Charles. Okay. Oh, he and, he like gave you a painting, and he's one of the people you worked with. No, we don't know him. Oh, okay. This was brought to us by his, uh, uh, one of the supervisors or something. Oh, okay. And he does shows all over the country. Yeah. <laughs> and he, we have this, this incredible abstract painting hmm. of Albert Einstein that he did. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's incredible, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it, it, these, they are, like I say, some of them are actual savants. Sure, sure. They're very good at something. They can see things that you can't. They can't see everything, maybe quite the same way but in one yeah <laughs> well ahead. for instance we noticed initially that a lot of them wear these ear protectors okay and mike briggs who's the head of um little friends i asked mike i said is that because it's too loud and he says no hmm. he says these are people who if they're sitting next to you they can hear the blood rushing through your veins they can hear the light. They can hear the lights in the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, sure. He said it's... And they can't stop focusing on it. Yeah, it, yeah. It's to filter all that out. Sure. <laughs> they might actually be really good at finding problems in recordings. <laughs> if you're in a studio, they but might be really good at... But isn't that amazing? Off. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, these special needs nothing. Maybe we're all special needs. Sure, yeah. You know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Uh, because we get as much out of it as they do, man. right? <laughs> and and they don't like to be touched. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not they will not leave around. a room unless they get a hug from Janice. They won't oh, do it. Nice. <laughs> they won't do it. Yeah, because she sincerely, you know, I mean, to watch her handle young people is just incredible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, we got a lot of irons in the fire, and yeah, basically, right now, we want to, We're just sitting back and saying, "What do we want to do now?" It sounds like a lot of worthwhile endeavors that you're, uh, <laughs> you're worthwhile to us. You're in the middle of right you know, now, yeah. <laughs> worthwhile to us, uh, absolutely. So, how, how did you end up in Chicago originally? We we stopped off with talking well, about kind of your background. I just that's one thing we kind of missed there. How did you well, end up in Chicago, uh, or was it Naperville first, or John Laporta? Um, at the Wichita camp, introduced me to Jack Riley. Okay. And John had worked with Jack at Berkeley. And John was just taking care of me, and he says, you two guys need to get together. Okay, yeah. I remember the voice now, so this is, this is the it's, guy. That's Laporta. Okay. <laughs> and I said, and I said, fine, uh, and at the time, uh, Jack was running a trio with Joe Cucuzzo, great drummer, mm -hmm. and uh, Jack Six, who was, 
he took Eugene Wright's place on the Brubeck Group, bass player. Okay. And he broke up that tree. He says, it wasn't, just wasn't what I was after. Sure. So we played a little bit together in camp, you know. And uh, he started putting together this new trio with me and a um, great bass player named Richie Ambler. Hmm. Uh, Richie uh, was uh, with Buddy DeFranco for a while. Hmm. And uh, uh, put together tours and went to Europe a lot and, and uh, uh, played in New York a lot. And, um, and you're still living, was it L.A. at this point? Or no, at, by that, at that time, uh, I had been on the road, didn't have a home. Oh, so, yeah. so, <laughs> I, was, I, so I was living in Emporia and sure. my, I, had, I was in the middle of a divorce. And my father and I had, years ago, my father and my uncles and I, had built a cabin on Lake Cahola, which oh, is oh yeah, we were talking about this, yeah, which is about circle. twenty miles from town. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, electricity, but um, uh, not a lot of their no other heat, amenities. No heat. No, I had to chop wood. <laughs> no, no deliveries, food. No, no, and no running water. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I went out there, and uh, I was playing with Jack, and Jack would call and say, "Here's a tour. Here's a tour." I go back there, and I, I finally got a, an efficiency apartment. In New York, in Brooklyn, efficiency right, apartment is that uh, uh, just a you know tiny? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, if you're touring a lot, then that's probably fine. Well, yeah, I was just looking for a place to sleep. Sleep you there know. once a month, maybe. Well, <laughs> and it was right across. It was right on Prospect Avenue, across the street from Prospect Park. Okay. So I was renting that, and but mainly heading for Kansas because I loved being there. I was. Totally alone and was able to practice like my, you know, and yeah. I had my records and my <laughs> drums there, and I got a lot done. Sure, got a huge amount done. And uh, so, did you uh, like living in New York for the short period of time you were out there? Oh yeah, I, I, New York was fine. Uh, uh, I was going to move there. Yeah, I finally decided this is too much. <laughs> this is too much. Too much all the time. Oh come York. on, I'm tr I'm flying around with drums, man. Yeah, that that set of rosewoods that I brought in. Right, right, pearls. The, yeah. I got those because I was doing trio work instead of big band work. Sure, sure. For, for Jack, with Jack. So, uh, by that time, I was doing the summer jazz camp circuits. We'll put a picture of you playing this kit up so people can see it now. It's, uh, it's yeah, upstairs. yeah. You, I think you gave me the other ones, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put a we'll yeah. put a copy of it so yeah. people watching the YouTube version so, can see. <laughs> so. Um, by this time, I, I had, uh, I'd been doing the summer jazz camp circuit. Right. And Roger Pemberton called me from, from here in Chicago. He says, Jack, I hear you're moving to New York. And I said, yeah. And he says, uh, are you coming through Chicago? I said, well, I can. Right. He says, if you are, uh, I got about a week's worth of work for you if you want to stop and do it. Hmm. And I said, well, that'd be great. So I called Steve Rodby. And this is before he was with Pat Metheny, but and he and I, uh, uh, we were on the, the circuit together. And uh, I said, Steve, can I hang out at your place? He was living over on Hinman in Evanston. He had an apartment over there. Okay, yeah. And we do a lot of studio work here in town. And uh, I said, can I hang out at your place for a week while I play with Rogers Band? He said, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm playing with Rogers Band at the Wise Fools and things like that, and. Uh, and I met Warren Kime on the band, and Warren says, 
if you want to hang around, I got two or three days worth of work. And then I met Ross Trout, and Ross says, I got a week's worth of work here if you want to. There was so much work here, Stephen, at <laughs> yeah. that time. Yeah. It was nothing to work a triple on a Saturday. It's legendary at this point. Yeah, everyone talks about it. It's yeah. nothing. I mean... And this is like the... I could not afford to leave. Late 70s now? Early late, 80s? I yeah. moved here in 70... October of 77. Okay. And were you living in the city at that point? Or did you... When did you... Well, no, I, I, was, I was staying at Steve's house. Oh, okay. For a little while, just crashing on the couch. And he finally, <laughs> he finally looked at me and said... Time for you to get an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need to go to New York or get your own place. Uh, sure. <laughs> Don't mean to kick you out, but uh, so well, I understood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to say no to worn out by no welcome, rent. you know, and, and <laughs> sure. I understood. Yeah. So, uh, and what about educating? Were you were you doing a lot of like educating at this point, or were you just playing all the time? No, just playing. When when did you get involved? In, well, I, I guess you were doing the educating because you were doing it through the doing the, the camps, camps, camp stuff like that. Yeah, doing but, the camps. Yeah. But then, what about and when I, the actual college? Where, where did well, you uh, after I'd been in Chicago uh, a few months. Mm-hmm. I got a call from Jim Dutton okay. at the American Conservatory and said, uh, would you like to come down here and teach? Drum set two days a week. Now is the, where was the school located? Right across the street from the Art Institute, right across the street from the Lions. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I've, I know a bunch of people yeah. who were involved in that place. Oh, in absolutely. One form Brad Sturtz, everybody was involved in. Do you know um, Ed Coward? Do you know him? No. He's uh, he's just a buddy of mine. Yeah, I think he was involved in, the, in there. No, Willie Pickens was there. Um, <clears throat> a bunch of people were there. Frank Mantooth eventually he moved to Chicago and was there. Um, <clears throat> so I, I I taught there and um, just never left. Um, sure. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's a good gig, you know. Well, I, I, I ran up I, I, at one time. Uh, like I say, the jobbing thing was huge. Sure. The the jingle thing was huge. I was to, the showrooms were open. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was playing the Blue Max. I, I played, I played the Blue Max with with. Um, Where is that? Uh, at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. I played okay. the Blue Max with BB King. Man, you know, I did cool. all. Uh, I did all this kind of work because I could read and I could play a lot of styles. Nice. Uh, I do did. You know, uh, do you know uh, Cleo Cole? No, he's another guy. He did the podcast a little while ago. No. He was in. They he I, the reason you brought BB King. I think that Cleo might have been um, playing in a band alongside. But yeah, it just if you if it was only like hmm. a, a no. one time thing. He's yeah. He's it's more recent than that. Probably. Well, so. you know, at that time there were industrial yeah, shows, not contemporary. <laughs> there were industrial shows. I mean, I did a, I did two week. Hey, what's industrial t- show? Was that uh, like Sports Illustrated had an industrial show for their. Oh, like industry. Okay, I see. Yeah, industry yeah. show. Yeah, yeah sure. You know, like the Nam show, except yeah, for, okay. yeah. It's and you get gigs out of it. Nice. Oh yeah, people need entertainment. <laughs> yeah. And they were, it was day work. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they, like at um, uh, McCormick Place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that must. Be uh, cool. The Sports Illustrated thing was at um, the Hancock Building. Okay, nice. <laughs> you know, that's so yeah, you were just busy. <laughs> I love the Hancock all building. the time, and and when you weren't busy, you went over to Burgoff's. Sure. Not Burgoff's. What's the name of that? That is a famous Chicago place, though. Yeah, it was a hang for musicians. <laughs> yeah, the but then where? Because the Burgoff is in. That's like the German restaurant, I think. In the yeah, it was. Area. They have their and you walk in there, and all the musicians were there. Yeah, <laughs> and you'd walk in, you'd say, "I got Thursday morning open," and someone said, "Gotcha." I went nice. <laughs> you know, it was like a union hall. That's cool. <laughs> it was amazing, man. And there were the jazz rooms were open. 
Monday night was amateur was 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 jazz night. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, what about on Lincoln on Lincoln Avenue, man, there was was Exchequer orphans. A, a big hang for musicians? You know, that's on Wabash. I don't know that one. Yeah, it's it's right next to where Frank's was, so that's just a. <laughs> Because you must have been going to Frank's at least sometimes, right? Oh, that's where I would go on my breaks at the conservatory. Be your, your shop, uh, yeah. And mainly Crowden's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Bill, uh, Exchequer's the bar and restaurant. The I pub remember it that was, being there. It's still yeah. there. I know the. I know the family. But there were a lot it. of a lot of a lot of jazz clubs at the the the, uh, the back room. Yeah. Orphans, um, uh, the jazz cellar. Um, uh, wise fools, you know, mm. uh, there was just a lot of work to do, man. Sure. And all these incredible musicians in town. And then I hooked up with Bunky, and that was at, at my busiest time. I wasn't doing, I was mainly just playing jazz. I was playing with Janice, had just started her band. When did you two meet? We met in 19, well, we met in the early 80s. Early, and that, that so that would have been when. Not here yet. We got together in 84. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I guess you would be in Chicago then. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Nice. No, we met on a gig. <laughs> awesome. Uh, <clears throat> uh, she was a... And that time, at that time, she was working, doing a lot of work for Playboy. She was working at the Atlantic City Club. Cool. Uh, the um, the club up north at... Um, Lake Geneva. Yeah. Lake Geneva. My dad may this, have played there a couple times. Working this club. Yeah. And she was opening <laughs> uh, she was opening for like Milton Burrow and Sure. Uh, and they were flying her to Atlantic City, you know. So Very cool. So she was like an opening act kind of a thing that she was doing. Nice. And um uh so we met and um we put together <laughs> her group with um with Frank Dawson, Bill Harrison, Kent Wayman and myself. Yeah, and she we did an album for Seabreeze, uh, and which went through the roof. Yeah, uh, Leonard Feather gave it five stars or four stars in the L.A. Times, and it was nice. And <laughs> I was working reviews. with them. I was working with the Chicago Jazz Quintet. <clears throat> I was working with Bunky Green's band. I was working with Clark Terry's group. Nice. So <laughs> we I was on the road a big part of the time with one of, the, and it was very difficult. To yeah. keep all those, wait a minute, I can't do this, Clark. I'm with Janice that week, and it was like, oh man, yeah. But tell it me was about great it. fun, man. It's, it's so hard keeping keeping things organized. It was <laughs> great fun, and then doing this, the the camps in the summer, man, with all these incredible musicians. I mean, yeah. when I worked with Clark, man, Clark would it would be the quartet, but he'd bring on Frank West or uh, uh, James Moody mm. or. He bring in all these people that I got to play with, man. Yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, this is a really I, I didn't know a lot of this stuff about about your career, especially the earlier stuff. Yeah, well, go it's to the website. <laughs> I read a little bit of it, yeah, but it's more interesting to, to hear uh, it straight from you. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, you gotta tell me. Uh, do you have any any fun drum shop stories from the from that time? Uh, either crowd. Well, I was doing an awful lot of uh, music store demos for Yamaha. Okay, cool. So yeah, when, when it was Pearl at first and then Yamaha later, when was the Pearl, year you switched and over? Then, well, I was working for Pearl, and they really weren't building jazz instruments. Sure, that's not a big surprise. Yeah, You know, that, that, that little Oh, the one you just brought today is pretty that's close. That's the only yeah. one they ever built. You know, I don't sure. know. But at the time, Jim Coffin was working for Premier. Premier, okay. 
And Ed Sof and I, we had the camp thing wrapped up between us. Okay. <laughs> we were doing all the major camps. Sure. And Jim Coffin, smart man that he is, said, I want these guys playing premier drums at these camps so that students will see him and buy, you know. So he called Ed and I, and I said, yeah, I'm looking for a jazz instrument, man. Pre so, Premier, you're saying? Yeah, so we signed oh, yeah. with Premier. Oh, so you did Premier for a little while. They make good stuff. The hardware was awful. Oh, you didn't like the hardware? <laughs> Pot metal, man. It was... Yeah, it was break. But I had a, I played a set of what they call resonators. Yeah, yeah, those are cool drums. I've Great. had those before. You probably Ex like... They probably didn't even make 18s. Except when you had to change, if you broke something. Yeah. Oh man, there's, there's, there's a cavity to, inside of it, right? There's a there's a space. Yeah. It's a double shell drum. Right. Sounded great. Yeah. And I really enjoyed those. They're and, rare too. You don't see those ever. No, you don't. I I sold mine to a guy in Oklahoma years ago. They're not worth a lot because like they're just not a Ludwig, you know. But yeah, they're they're still really cool. Yeah. Uh, what size was your cat? I'd love to see like a twenty one of those. It was an eighteen. Oh, you had an 18. That would yeah, be cool. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. And uh, then <laughs> Jim went with Yamaha. Okay. And you and he wanted too. to take sure. Shof and I with him, so we did. Yeah, yeah. So Yamaha uh, makes great stuff, too. They have the... I, I love that company. Uh, they, yeah. <clears throat> at the time, I thought they came as close as anybody to sounding like the old Brooklyn Gretsch. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they've they, got... They had that sound... No reinforcement hoops, and then yeah, they they're always really uh, they they love the way they. I've been with them since 1981. What was your first kit you got from them? Um, it was a, a Birch set. Birch, okay. Um, in fact, so that would be like the. Were they calling that touring custom at that point? Could have been. Yeah, I think that's called touring. Custom. Yeah, I've had I had this massive purple touring custom oh wow so cool i wish if it would have been a small kit i might have taken it for myself but it was like a and that's an unusual dark, color man. yeah you know. yeah like a like a yeah royal purple i don't know exactly what you call it but. and then and then jim <laughs> when they were pushing the recording customs yeah because they had gad those are the high end the top and the top that of the was line. the top of the line yeah. so jim said we'd like you to play those and i said great man i love those drums sure so he sent me the set and that's the one that, that you had. just sold. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Eighteen-inch bass drum. You'd probably find a picture of that and put it up too, just for fun. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't play that very long. Right. Because then he called me again, and uh, he said, "What would you? Ideally, what would you like?" And I said, "I like wood finishes, man." Sure, sure. <laughs> he said, "Good, because we're coming out with a maple custom, mm. and I think you'll love them." Yeah, me too. I like my wood finishes. And I, I still have that <laughs> instrument. And then what? What is that? Is that just a like a, a, a like a lacquer over maple, or is it is it stained? It's a gloss finish. Gloss finish. Is it stained like green? Or I know sometimes mine is too. maple, natural maple. Oh, it must be beautiful. Yeah. Does Gorgeous. it have those little square lugs, or is yeah. it the? So yeah. They're, they're kind of like brass yeah. looking lugs. And, yeah. the, and that's the, like and, the showcase kit, except and the first um, <laughs> Art Deco drum keys. Yeah, I know those. And, yeah, and, those are cool. and Drent bass drum. Yeah. T rods, and I still have that instrument. You had all Yamaha stuff at the school too. I mean, that oh, yeah. was probably something you did. Yeah, made sure that they were, they yeah. were, you know. And um, <laughs> so it came with an eighteen-inch bass drum. Nice. Yeah. 
Well, down the road. Diecast hoops, I think, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Down the road, I got it in my head that I wanted a 16-inch bass drum. 16, yeah, sure. He's not like my friend Eric Bender. Yeah, he's always going for the and, tiny bass drums. And <laughs> I tried turning 16-inch toms around, and they just sounded like 16-inch toms laying on their side. Sure. <laughs> so I got a hold of Hoggy. Who was, you know, he was Mr. Yamaha Drums. Okay. Was and he like the head of the company? Head of, head of uh, Yamaha Drums. Yeah, yeah. In Osaka. Okay. So we got I a hold of Hagi, and I, and I said, I want a 16-inch bass drum. And he said, oh, no, Jackson, we're not going to build no goddamn 16-inch bass drums. <laughs> well, at the time, Jim Coffin had retired. Okay. And a guy named David Vai was head of artist relations at, at Yamaha. And David bought into it. All right. And David just went to work on Hoggy. Took us three years. Why, I wonder why he was so against it. Uh, he just thought it was silly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because they'd have to do something, to, you know. Be expensive, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Tool and, like and, that, yeah. And David finally wore him down. Hey, so you got him to do it. He built me a 16-inch bass drum. I have it. Maple Custom Bass Drum. So it's the same as your other kit? It's like a maple maple so lacquer? It, yeah, yeah. Cool. That, that might be like close to one of a kind. Yeah, pretty pretty rare probably. <laughs> I'll get to that, man. You're good. This, this, this is amazing. <laughs> Everybody says Janice is going to be a rich widow someday. <laughs> so, so, you know, I've got the set still. Sure. Uh, it's got an 18-inch bass drum. I've got a 16-inch bass drum. So, sure. So down the road... Uh, I got a call from maybe Jay Wanamaker. I don't know. He was at that time head of. I have been through so many artist relations guys at Yamaha. Sure. So I got a hold of uh, Jay. Called me and he said, um, I think it was Jay. Uh, and at, at that time, Hagi had retired. Uh, they have forced retirement in Japan. Oh, okay. 65 and you're done. Yeah, and you're kind of loyal to your company in Japan. I think is that usually how it like they they, they stick appreciate to one loyalty company man. for a while. Yeah. It seems like it's, it's kind of an interesting culture. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. I'd love to concept, learn more about, you know, Japanese culture and to visit Japan someday, maybe. So, but if any of my friends from Japan him. are listening, hello. <laughs> I got a couple buddies that They replaced have been him the shop. with two guys, uh, yeah. Sato and Sun. Okay. <clears throat> he said they're coming into town for the Midwest and they'd like to meet with you. Hmm. So Janice and I went down to this was they'd moved to McCormick Place by that time. Nam show. The Midwest. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is the Nam show? No, Midwest. Midwest. Midwest Bandmasters. Okay. Is that even still happening at all? Oh yeah. Where is it now? At the at the at the uh uh McCormick. So it's still at McCormick. We yeah. never go to that. Yeah. I don't know why. Because I Yeah. I don't know. Are you sure they don't do that? Oh, no, 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 no. I think that they do that now in, because um, I think Madeline goes to that. Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra. They might Probably. Yeah, yeah, they do that now because I went with her. Yeah. Um, in, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Peoria, right? No. Maybe? Or is that something No, that, that's, that's, that's IMEA. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking of something totally different. So. No, they do it every hey, day. Forget about everybody. Every December, <laughs> every December, just before Christmas. It's just, if it's so convenient, then why don't we go to it? I don't know. Maybe I'll go sometime. <laughs> Maybe you I'll should. Go. Is it cool? You, you... Uh, not as cool as it used to be. It used to be <laughs> at the Hilton. Okay. And it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's when all those guys were alive. 
Sure. <laughs> you know, Lenny DiMuzio, Jim Coffin, yeah. Lloyd McCausland. Is it just a trade show where people yeah. kind of, and then there are, is it mostly educators? Yeah, it is. is. Okay, it's almost it, all educators. I think that's yeah. why we don't go because we just. But there's booths there. We don't I sell mean, it. We don't do a ton with it. We do some, but. There's yeah. manufacturing booths there, you know. We should go. So we anyway, anyway <laughs> I said, yeah, year. I'd love to meet with them. Yeah. So I met with them and they'd say, we'd really like you to be playing the new Phoenix series. And I said, man, I played the Phoenix series. I said, I'd love those. That, that's an incredible instrument. What kind of wood are those? It's a composite wood of like four different kinds of. I've heard of Bobinga them. Bobinga and I, mean, I don't even know anything. It's about a lot them. of bunch of African woods and things. They're amazing. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> they're incredible sounding. When did they come up with those? It was like. 90s? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. But I said, uh, "Will you build me a 16-inch bass drum?" <laughs> sure. And they said, "No, we don't build custom drums anymore." Mm. And I said, "Well." Respectfully, I'll continue to play the other my Maple Customs. Sure. So we parted company, <laughs> and I continue to play the Maple Customs. But I think I've seen your kit because I think you may have had it. Probably at the show I saw. Yeah, because it was with the faculty band. So could have been. I think it was that kit. So several years ago, I thought, hmm, I wonder if I can get a Phoenix series. That kind of matches my maple custom bass drum. Sure. What's the outer ply in those? Is it like a darker wood? It's this. It's oh. that. That's Ooh, the Phoenix. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's the Phoenix. Some kind of it's like a burl or something. Oh, it's all these pictures. So it's got the old sunburst. And it looks like you pattern. did you get them too? <laughs> that's a, that's a sixteen. You convinced them to do a sixteen? Yeah. No, I didn't. It's beautiful. I really didn't convince them. So how did how did it work? I out? got a hold of of of, of Greg. Um, Crane, who's head of artist relations at Yamaha now. Okay. And I said, Greg, uh, could you send me a, a, a small tom and a floor tom that would match my 18-inch maple custom? He says, yeah, I'll check into it. And a few days later, he calls me back and he said, Jack, they're going to build you a Phoenix set with the 18-inch bass drum. <laughs> from all and I, those and I said you're kidding <laughs> he said no they're going to build it for you wow and I said why he said you know the Japanese he says I think this is their way of saying we appreciate your loyalty oh sure yeah yeah for all those years yeah, with them for so long when you yeah. could have gone with somebody else and you didn't that's cool that it yeah <laughs> we were talking about maybe that. that's just a conjecture yeah. we don't know that that's why and all of a sudden these things land they're beautiful. And, yeah. my, oh, and to play them is just... What year did you get these? This particular kit? Is it fa fairly recent? Uh, yeah, five years maybe. Because I think that's a new... I don't think that the Phoenix, that's what they call it. That was it. the original finish. I don't even know Phoenix. anything about Phoenix Yamaha. I don't think I've ever had one in here They're before. incredible. Yeah, they look beautiful, man. They're absolutely amazing drums. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, it. And um, <clears throat> in fact, the cover... That's the, the finish there. That's the finish. <laughs> yeah, and Yamaha loves that, you know. <laughs> we'll pop one of those pictures on there, too, at the end, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the, Jack yeah. Mouse on the Oh, bench. I had no idea they were going to do that because Hoggy didn't do that on the 18-inch bass drum, the 16-inch bass drum. It's very cool. I had no idea they were going to do that. And <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, was, I, love it. I was really humbled by that. Um, That's awesome. 
Cool, man. And then uh, Sabian, you, what, what's your uh, what's your go-to ride right now? Is Artisan probably? Uh, no, I'm I'm using an old uh, 22 inch Manhattan. Manhattan. That's a. I think that's an older series. I'm, I don't, I'm yeah. not familiar with those. What are they like? Is it lots of, uh, lots of hammering <clears throat> on there? Well, <clears throat> I've been. That it right there. No, that isn't it. It looks like an artisan. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe that's a prototype that I was kind of in on that didn't work out. Okay, <laughs> but hey, you got you got something out of it. Looks like. Well, <clears throat> it makes a good photo. Uh, <laughs> sure. But no, I'm playing a, an old 22 inch say uh, Manhattan. Um, Nice. Uh, I'm using 13-inch hi-hats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got this. 13? Why do you go with 13s? They cut, man. You just like them? Yeah. Right through. Nice chick sound. Did, well, did, and the 16-inch the, the bass drum. You, you put holes in your bottom hi-hats, too. Yeah. See, I remember this about you. You told me this and because you don't like the airlock. Air pockets. Yeah, yeah, that happens to me a lot. I don't need that. I'm trying to do videos sometimes. I don't know why it, they don't do that to all of them. Well, it... it I I usually just try and angle it, but sometimes even if you angle it, you have a problem. You don't have to. Especially really light hi-hats, really lightweight hi-hats. You don't have to. Put holes in them, you don't have to. You're right, you're right. I mean, Tony Williams used to do that. Yeah. Four on the floor hi-hats. Zildjian did it for years on the quick beats. Yeah, quick beats. I'm trying to think of the possible disadvantages for it. and I can't find any. Yeah, the... Unless you want to turn them over, right? Yeah, I, I guess there aren't really any disadvantages I can think about. It's it's uh, no, yeah, because I don't think it really changes the sound too terribly. Maybe a tiny bit, but I, I, if you a beat them before you drill them and after, I don't think I'd be able to tell the the china that I'm using. Recording. <laughs> the china that I'm using um, is an '84, and I was with Zildjian at that time. Yeah, and uh, I was in Montreux, Switzerland. With Bunky Green's quartet. Okay. Playing the Montreux Festival. And we actually started the Montreux Jazz Clinics over there, that oh. quartet. Okay. So we were there for a week, man. Awesome. And so we're playing, uh, we did two or three concerts, and uh, we're playing an afternoon concert, and this guy comes up to me, and he said, um, and he's Scottish. Okay. And he, he come to find out he was the Sabian rep there. Oh, nice. And he said, if you'd like to come by, he says, I have a showroom. If you'd like to come by and pick out a symbol, I'd love to give you one. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's very kind of you, and I'd love to do that. <laughs> but I was a little bit nervous about And he gave me direction. <laughs> sure. So Bill Harrison was playing bass, and I said, you're going to go with me on this. You don't know who this guy is? <laughs> yeah. But Strange sure enough, Scottish man. <laughs> sure enough, he went up these stairs, and he had a room. and Sure. <laughs> So I, I've always wanted a china. Nice. So I picked out this china. Oh, so it is a Sabian. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, I see. And I wait. I thought you were going to say it's a Zildjian because no, you no, no, a it's a Sabian. Before, yeah. And I uh, put rivets in it. <laughs> right. And it opened it up, and it's killing, man. You use that a lot of the times to to like give that last. I don't string. ride with it. It's 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 a. Um, it's an 18-inch, and I don't ride on it. Right, right. Um, but, man, I Didn't mean... Mel Lewis have a China? Oh, yeah. Mel, That's Mel, really what I'm asking. Do you Mel use had it like a 20 Mel? Do you use it like that? he wrote that? on. Yeah. And then the... Is that the... What's the Swish, Swiss knocker? Swish knocker. That's a 22, but I don't... It's think, a 22. Are they kind of based on his, maybe? I'm not even sure. I don't know. 
Because at that, like uh, at the, especially with like a big band or like a nine-piece band, it's it can be very helpful to have that. Oh, extra... I would. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> run out of stands. Sure. These I look like are those those weird uh, like a Yamaha Ultra Light? Oh, absolutely. Maybe? You like those? Yeah. Oh man, I've never seen one. They they just they look they have an odd design. Oh man, like where were they when I needed them? I guess you know maybe Sonar made something like that earlier on, didn't they? Uh, I think there are, are other companies now baking lightweights. It's just These that particular design. They're titanium. Oh, they're titanium. Jeez, this must have been expensive. <laughs> Someone told me, and I don't know whether this is true. Light, too. It's that strong. they were, <laughs> that was designed at the Yamaha Motorcycle Factory. Okay, yeah, being titanium. That alloy yeah. that they use. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's one great advantage they have. They have the, the greater company that they can, you know, ask. Like, we're all going to be use the Yamaha hamburgers someday, you know. Sure. <laughs> uh, but the Crosstown hardware is amazing, man. It looks looks cool. I have to get some of those. People have, I think, asked on, about it over the no, phone before. It's absolutely incredible. It's very light. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, I can pick up my hi hat with the symbols on one yeah. hand and wave it around. You know, they do a great job with hardware. Everybody always elects to put a Yamaha Tom mount on their Craviatos because there's no proprietary Craviato one. So very often, yeah, Yamaha will be that. It's just such a nice kind of you see a lot of I functional think, uh, mount. Tell me if I'm <laughs> if, if you agree. I see a lot of Yamaha hardware on, you know, like on the on the on the drum chats and things on the internet. Sure. You know, you'll see a a, a Gretsch set, but it's got Yamaha cymbal stands and stuff. Oh yeah, all the time. You see, you see that all the time. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, this well cross this crosstown stuff is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, the Yamaha drums, they're very live. Some of the times, yeah, my it's like they're so resonant. They're which which And the for Phoenix me, are doubling that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But lots of lots of resonant. How just, do you tune your bass drum? How do you tune your drums? I'm, I'm curious. Well, I don't, you don't have to give me all the secrets, but anything, anything well, you okay. want to feel free okay. to I, I don't put out there. I don't <laughs> like the word tuning. Tuning? Okay. <laughs> tuning, mm. you tune pianos. Sure. You tune saxophones. Tuning implies a pitch. Right, which not not really necessarily. Now I know for guys it. who tune to pitches. Sure, sure. I can't do that. <laughs> Man, if I t if I tune, I don't, we don't do that here either. Really, if I sometimes tune, very if I rarely. tune my small tom, yeah, to a B flat, yeah, somebody lays down a B major a C major chord, right, <laughs> and it conflicts with me. So yeah, if you're if you're gonna, I tension them. E flat, E flat is okay. F is okay, and no. then maybe G. I try to avoid pitches if you're playing jazz <laughs> i just try to Not avoid country. them <laughs> yeah um uh, and i i use the term tensioning okay yeah, i tension sure. the drums um it's real simple i tension the top head to the stick response i like sure then i tension the bottom heads to the sound i want i the way i i just don't pay attention i get it to sound the way i like it there and you then go. i like it in relationship to each other there you go the drums kind of want to go a certain place and then it happens to be this pitch but i didn't plan that no i know it just is <laughs> yeah that's kind of so i'm totally yeah i'm the same and then if you actually try to tune it to a pitch it, it, it might not work out so well it i might know actually sound like i know crap. <laughs> i know when it's right i know when i like it yeah do you, do you muffle a lot and what kind I of don't. Heads? I don't muffle anything. I use strip muffling on the bass drum. And the uh, power stroke on the batter, maybe. It might. Have, it might just be in that picture. I don't know if you usually use that. No. Just uh, like a no. coated ambassador no. or something like that. No. Uh, I use Aquarian Modern Vintage Thins. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's that cool. Aqua those Aquarian. I, I got to restock Aquarians. I like. Well, their I heads. mean, my that my teacher makes them. Made them. 
Yeah, 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 man, totally. In fact, <laughs> you have to. You're. I was. I well, I, no. I, I was with. I was with Remo for a long time, and, and I, I loved Lloyd McCausland. Yeah. You know, Lloyd was one of those one of those guys, man. And Janice and I would run into Roy at um, trade shows, NAMM shows, things like that. So he he was. I'm not familiar with him. Was he the Roy Burns? Oh, okay, Roy, okay, yeah, I know Roy, but... Uh, and so he was running the aquarium booth there, you know. Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. So we stopped by and say hi, and... Yeah, we got some videos by him. Oh, yeah, he's... Talking about his heads. And yeah. Heads. Um, so we're... We're at a trade show, and we stopped by and say hi to Roy. And he looked at me and said, why aren't you with us? Sure. <laughs> and I said, I don't know, man, a drumhead's a drumhead. And the minute I said it, I thought, you idiot... Oh geez! <laughs> How dare you say that to someone who builds drumheads, man? Sure. And he you looked had at, a couple words for and you. he looked at me <laughs> and said, "You're just as dumb as you were when you were five years old." <laughs> said, That's funny. I am sending you a set of heads. And so, what did he send you? The he sent me the modern vintage thins. Modern I vintage, put them yeah. on the drums, and it was oh, like so he likes the thins. It was like getting a new set of drums. Nice, nice. I like the thins better than the mediums, probably. Yeah. Depends on what I'm using them for. Yeah. You know. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny because Remo, their diplomats are even thinner, it seems like. But I don't well, know if that's technically true. It's just the coating's different. The the Aquarian head is a tucked head. Tucked head, okay, yeah. It's tucked. On that flesh hoop, it's tucked. Then Almost made more like a calfskin head, maybe? Yeah, exactly like, like a calfskin head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other heads that we're not talking about, we're not mentioning names, the <laughs> sure. other heads... If you notice, they pull out from the rims every now and then, and you see these holes. Okay, yeah. They just set them in the head and drop glue in. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different, yeah. Process. Once I set an Aquarian head, it stays there. Yeah, and I also... The brush surface is amazing. Oh, they last. They last a while. Now, my one complaint would be, uh, like, breaking it in. The Aquarian's a little longer to break it in. So I always, if I'm doing a new In aquarium, terms of a brush... It's too much response at first. Until oh, no, I just... I but just, that's every head. I take a brush and do yeah, this. That, I was going to say, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you got to do that with every head. Aquarians are just a little more maybe than a, a Remo because oh, yeah, they're... Yeah, it takes me 10 minutes. You yeah, know. they right. Just yeah. for anyone yeah. listening, yeah, if you ever yeah. get a brand new head, don't play brushes on there because it'll like blow your head off. Oh, it does. <laughs> it does that. Oh, yeah. It does yeah. that, but they last forever. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, they're great. I, I, I like it. They were maybe the first company that thought it would be a good idea to make heads that will fit on vintage drums. That's actually another well, great thing. Well, why is a drummer? <laughs> yeah. We used to put them on every round badge Gretsch kit that came in. We would put uh, American vintage, not modern vintage, but American vintage. Yeah. And so that's awesome. And I got to stock, stock some more of those up. Now everyone's doing it. Now it's like the new cool thing. They're a little, <laughs> they're a little more expensive. <clears throat> yeah. But they last longer. They do, they do, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. I'm actually, I'm going to do a bunch of demo videos just for fun. And I'm going to do like Remo versus Evans versus Aquarium. Oh, that would be cool. Man. Oh, do that. Yeah, it was just for fun. Oh, and you, know? you would be good at that because you know the products. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I order everything for here. And you know. All, all that kind of stuff is what I, that's my responsibility. I'm the one who orders all the sticks and heads and exactly. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> What do you what do you use for brushes? What do you like? What brushes do you? Well, have? I used to use Regal Tip, but Regal Tip's gone now. 
I heard that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. As far as I know, oh, I haven't been. I've, I've I've talked to like maybe twenty distributors. No one knows anything. I have like a a, uh, a I have extra, but I used to use their sticks and I used their brushes. I used Regal Tip Jazz. Well, sticks, I was so with the sticks. I was about with that. Regal Tip for a long time. <laughs> they make good good like for press rolls. It's like a their it's a press brush rolls. company. Brush company. Well, yeah, their their brushes the are stuff the I got ubiquitous would be, brush. They would send me. Everyone uses boxes, of, and they would either be warped or oh, the sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do. They do. You know why that is? And that's finally their, why I went back. Yeah, to, to Vic. Their machines were. They never replaced them. Apparently, now this is what I heard. I don't know if this is entirely true. And then about three, four years ago, they were trying to retool everything, and then, uh, you know, wow. Uh, like and don't get me went wrong, to, man. Went to, so that I think they were they may be a victim of the the last two three years of what's been going on. Well, and and don't get me wrong, man. Uh, I loved Carol Collado, man. She was a great lady. Is a great lady. <laughs> and leaving leaving Regal Tip was tough. Yeah, yeah. I Collado, yeah. That's the and if they come back, I'll go back. Probably. I, I've been using Vic Firth now. I, they have the purple brushes, the purple handle. It's I like a wood. I like a wood handle brush. <laughs> oh, you like a wood handle? Okay, well, yeah. If you want to get some regals, I might have a couple left. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> you should look. I've got a bunch of them. There, if you go online. Yeah. I, and I, and you I take order. care of them. They'll actually last forever. Huh? The the last forever brushes. I mean, if you don't. Well, you got to take good care the, of them. You know, put them back in there too. A lot of people don't <laughs> like wood handle brushes. There are things I don't like about them. In fact, I have submitted. <laughs> a design oh. to Vic Firth to say this is going to, we'll take care. You have non-retractable ones. That's what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's actually what I don't like about them. They well, don't retract. This, <laughs> this, is, this is a funny story, too. Uh, if you, I was watching the Count Basie trio on Jazz Casual. Okay. You know? <clears throat> and man, here's Sonny Payne. And he's got this brush, and he's fanning the hi-hat. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, i got to learn to do that. With one now, hand? Yeah. Or like... No, no, no. A closed hi-hat, doing... I think I've seen that. And I'm going, Jesus. Don't know how to do it. i got to learn to do that. Now, I'm a quick study. And if I work on something hard enough, I was in tears in my basement for months. Could not do it. So I get a call from Joe Testa, who was head of Yamaha Artist Relations. Sure. And said, Jack, we're doing a, an, an artist photo session in New York. Uh, if you'd like to come back, we'd love you to be a part of it. Well, nobody's going to pay my but, but we decided, yeah, let's. We hadn't been to New York for a while. Let's go. Sure. <laughs> and at the time, uh, Yamaha Piano had a big... Um, Kind of a showroom mm -hmm. in the village. Well, okay. they cleared all that out, and they had this Yamaha drum reception there. Mm. And they're taking photos. In fact, uh, I don't know, you've, you may have seen it. There was a big campaign about Yamaha drummers sitting on these big sets, and I'm sitting on a cymbal and, <laughs> you know, photograph things, you know. Sure. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, But they had food and everything. And, and, and nice. Charcuterie. I, I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, Elvin's there and Roy Haynes is there. Sure. And Ben Riley's there. And I'm sitting there talking with Ben. And I said, Ben, 
I can't do that. He said, no, you can't do that with the brushes they make anymore. Mm. I said, what? <laughs> he said, no, the gauge says they're too thick. Oh, so there's, you need thinner. The, the, yeah. I like, do you like thin gauge brushes? Yeah. You can't buy thin gauge brushes, hardly. You can't get them that thin anymore? No. Even the, what, what do you think of the, so what do you use now then? Did You figured it out, I imagine? I, I'm using a regal tip. Wood handle. Wood handle, but I can't do that. And that's the thinnest it gets that you've. The thinnest <laughs> I found. Yeah, that's interesting. And the problem. Were his rubber handle or wood handle? Uh, so. Oh, he was using rubber handle. This was before. Because they, they didn't even have wood handle back then. No. Yeah, they actually were more like No, plastic. they were retractable. I've never plastic. been fond of retractable brushes. Yeah. Eventually, they're going to rattle. Because, yeah, they, 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 remember those red ones? The ones with, like, the red grippy? Yeah. That's probably, he had something like that. Premier, in the 50s, built a really good, good brush. thin <laughs> brush. Yeah. <laughs> and built a great stick called the Premier E. Uh, they were made out of lancewood. Lancewood, no. Yeah, it's it's different. It's an English tree or something. Sure. They're, you know. they're equivalent of hickory. <laughs> yeah. And I still have a pair of them at home. Huh. Uh, I don't use them because I don't want to break them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm like that now with all my Regal Tip stuff. I'm like not even using it anymore. I'm just going to yeah. just have to get used. <laughs> I've got like maybe 20 pairs of sticks. So but... the reason a lot of people <laughs> now they're a piece of don't get along with wood handle brushes yeah. is because they will turn in your, hit, in your hand. Yeah, yeah. All right. Until you get used to them. Not quite as sticky. I actually, you know, I well, don't I mind mean, playing with them. Actually, I, I think they're a little easier to play than the rubber brushes. I just, I like the well, retractable nature. There's a couple of different things. Sometimes I'll do things where you, you know, where you hit it. And it flex. Goes, flex stroke. Yeah. You can't really do that as easily with a wood handle. That's one thing. Sure can. How, how, do you, how do you make it not I do click? it all the time. Put your finger on it or something? <laughs> no, I'll show you when we go in. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I use flex strokes all the time. Okay, I, I never heard it called that before. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you know exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. Um, <laughs> so consequently, the reason I like them is because, I, number one, it always felt weird to me to put down a pair of sticks and pick up a pair of rubber handles. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like picking up a stick. And now they're purple. Now that I'm using the purple ones. <laughs> yeah. Simply does not go with my drum set. So, so yeah, you know, people hear what they see. I don't know. So, I don't uh, mind. I actually like them. They're cool. So, you know, it, to me, I like the feel of the wood in my hand. Yeah. Make them rather than making them round, make them oval. Oh, okay. So they so so that That's ergonomically, yeah. ergonomically, they fit the hand, and they don't turn in your hand. Right, right. Because yeah, a drumstick it doesn't matter. It right, it turns all the time. Drumsticks in your hand turn all the time. You don't care. That'd be expensive to do because you'd have to. You can't lay that if it's not uh, round. You know. That's, yeah, I know. You'd have to see and see it. Maybe I don't <laughs> they know. could do it though. I don't know. <laughs> have Have Vic Firth do it. Although, well, now that Vic is gone and eh. well, and it's owned not by Vic Firth anymore. It's owned by who owns Vic Firth right now? Zildjian. Zildjian. That's right. Yeah, the drum companies, they all kind of consolidate sometimes. Like DW owns Slingerland yeah. and the Gretsch distribution yeah. rights. And, like, yeah. and, you know, there's another guy that's sorely missed is Vic Firth. Yeah. Whenever I would do a, a recording, either with Janice's band or my or somebody's band, Dan Hurley's trio. Do you use their sticks now? Oh, yeah. They do make, like, they're so perfect yeah. every time. They, yeah. Yeah, they're really yeah. well-made yeah. drum sticks. 
state-of-the-art <laughs> the, the, the wood is good you yeah know? and i think that was another lighter i don't know what it is i think that was another problem with with uh with regal tip is i'm not sure the quality of wood they were getting was yeah and the old machines you, maybe it had something to do with uh how long they were keeping it before they machined it because I, I know, know like there's moisture in it and then you make it and then the moisture leaves sometimes they can. and it's it's just a tiny little thing. Yeah. And I didn't even, I, I love the way the jazz ones are shaped, just the regal tip jazz. And they're also lacquered, which I kind of liked actually. The lacquer makes them last a little longer. Yep. It makes the tip last longer. Because yep. if you play on a cymbal a bunch, jazz stuff, the tip gets soft and then you don't get the same attack anymore. However, the, the lacquer you, makes you it a little that that's, tougher. Do you not think that has more to do with the shape of the tip? Well, there's that. That's really important. And they, they're different. The ones I'm using Well, that's the other thing, yeah, man, is, is that, that finding <laughs> finding a flat tip stick is very difficult anymore. What, what type of Vic Firth do you use? Uh, it's just the, I'm, I'm, using the, I'm using the new Freestyles. Do you mean barrel tip? Is that the one you like? Freestyles. Freestyles. Everything is uh, about the flattest you can almost get anymore is the acorn shape. Acorn. That's what I've been using, just the 7A yeah, standard. Yeah. And I've used the 7A freestyles. Yeah. Uh, and I like those a lot. Is, are they like a little longer or something freestyle? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's you got you, you get it. Actually, I should get But you get don't those. have to reach so far. Yeah, sure. They, I like them for press rolls a little bit. Because like when it's a little bit longer, it's a little more back-weighted. Yeah. Right? Well, and you see, that's the other problem I find that I don't, that I don't like about a lot of retractable brushes. Yeah. The weight's in the back. Oh, yeah, it's really bad. That, it's so and hard it's to It's bad throw. Yeah. <laughs> the throw of the brush needs to be in the front of the brush. Yeah. With a wood handle brush, the, the weight's up front. Yeah, it's a little more <clears throat> like a stick would be, yeah. The weight's up front. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, allergies. No problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of things in the, in the works, man, you know. Well, yeah, this has, been, this has been great, Jack. If you want to go into anything more, it's about, it's around four-ish, so I think we've yeah, it's been awesome. I, I really like. Yeah, oh, it's fun, nice, man! Nice insights into you know your ideas on music, and then uh, hear about all the cool things you're doing. <laughs> I um, yeah, you know, thanks for coming. Well, I'm I'm just grateful for you guys. <laughs> We're happy to be here to be in business, man. I mean, there's no place like this in the world. Every yeah. drummer should. You should give tours, man, and charge for tours through this place. I mean, really. <laughs> I do give tours. I don't charge. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I remember when I was in Cub Scouts. Okay. <laughs> and they would take you to the police station or the fire station. And oh, sure. They should bring you. their Cub Scouts over here and man, show them. Yeah. Sure. yeah. You know? Someday you could run a drum shop if you wanted to. Yeah, sure. You could be a policeman. You could I, be a fireman. You could be a drummer. <laughs> really, really. I, like, I, like I say, I tell people. <laughs> the Maxwells have the best job in the world, man. It's this is, and the service that you guys provide to the music and to the to the craft, man, is invaluable. Oh, yeah, we we to try ev to everyone, man. I mean, you know. Um, so thank you to all you guys for being here and doing this. Uh, oh yeah, sure. My dad's probably over in the the other shop. Maybe you can. Well, let's go over and break his leg about those pearls. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna be excited about them. All They're right, very Steve. Special. Well, yeah, Jack. Thanks for well, having uh, yeah, thanks for having me in. And good good luck on the the move and everything. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, and like I say, we're, we're we'll be in and out of Chicago probably yeah. as much as we are anyway. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Make sure to you know. 
come or by. Let are me you know. Kidding? Let me know if you're playing somewhere. I'll, I'll come in. I'm real busy with the two kids, but I'd love to come check you out. <laughs> Bring your kids. Yeah, if especially actually if it's friendly for kids, that would be maybe if it's like outdoors or something because they're a little loud, especially Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if it's something, if it's like a no oh, man, like they wouldn't. Know, they they're too young to do the jazz showcase. Although maybe the matinee. Maybe I, the matinee. I tell people. <laughs> Bring your children. Yeah. My kids love jazz. Lily Bring says she children, loves jazz. You know. yeah. She's uh, like, what's that a... on the radio, Daddy? That's jazz. Well, I like you know, this. I mean, John Laporta <laughs> used to tell me. I, like I say, I hear that man's voice in my ears. Sure. <laughs> John Laporta used to say, there's two kinds of music, good and bad, and that depends on how well you play it. Sure. <laughs> Don't tell me. That Neil Peart can't play. He could. Yeah. He's a great drummer. He's a rock drummer. Great drummer. Sure, sure. Don't, you know, it depends on whether it's played with conviction. Yeah, man. You know? <laughs> Come on. I, and, and I was talking with Janice. That it, you, there used to be, down around Berwyn, some Polish bars late night. Mm -hmm. And you go in, and there'd be some, some old... Polish polka? guys playing polkas. Polka stuff, yeah. But cool playing stuff. it real. I mean, yeah, yeah. you think you can play polkas? Uh-uh. Go listen <laughs> to those guys. Yeah. Those guys play polkas. What we're doing is like a cartoon. Sure. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, right on. So, yeah, you know, it, it, <clears throat> people ought not to be sob, snobs, man. Yeah. <laughs> listen to all kinds of music. Don't, you know, I see people say, well, I don't like jazz. That's what you mean. I like jazz. What jazz have you heard? Well, I've been over to the high school and oh yeah, and, probably not. And, yeah, <laughs> maybe that wasn't. And I've the best been to jazz. Star, I've been to Starbucks to listen to the. Yeah. Then you don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Some people, uh, and even if they think they don't like jazz, they actually do probably because it's it, it. Jazz will get you. It's there, and you'll be listening. You'll well, be watching a movie or something. It. It'll be there, and it'll make you feel a certain way, but you don't even notice it. Yeah. They're not taught to understand it. That jazz is a compositional art form. What <laughs> you're going to hear music that will only be played once. Sure. <laughs> yes. When it, I remember being on, and this is real quick, and I'll get out of here. <laughs> Being on tour with Jack, with go. Jack Riley's trio, <laughs> yeah. and we're in Norway, I think, mm -hmm. and he had a hit over there on a tune that he wrote called Halloween. Okay, <laughs> it's a drum feature. Nice, my favorite holiday actually. <laughs> I love Halloween. <laughs> so, so we're setting up, and this guy walks up to me, and he said, uh, "Are you guys going to play Halloween tonight?" And I said, "Well, I'm sure we will." He says, "Oh, great." He says. Are you going to play the same drum solo you played on that tune on the record? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you ever play a gig where they want you to play the exact same drum fill, like note for note? It's like, can I just change it a little bit? <laughs> no, then I can't remember. Right, I can't even remember. I know exactly what you mean, Jack, yeah. So, you That's know, a stylistic thing, yes. And, and yeah, in, in jazz, you, you'll, you'll do more, much, many more notes, but then, yeah, rock, you're, you're just... You, the the fact that it's that exact fill it has to be every time is just part of the tune, you know, it's part of the tune. Yeah. We can think of many rocks. We rock have to songs educate like people. <laughs> they're they're different things and, and they're both they're both cool. Yeah. Uh, me personally though, I, I love uh being able to to improvise. Like if I if I'm playing the same song every night, 
it would be awesome if someone in, in the audience was there both nights and they didn't even know it was the same song. That would actually be cool for me. Well, that, that's why we're so <laughs> enthralled with playing free music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> with people who know how to do it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> because free music can start sounding like noise if you're not careful. Right, everyone doesn't always have to play at the same time. Well, that's and one thing that <laughs> not only that, but we our philosophy, and the reason, I mean, um, three-story sandbox, that was a downbeat editor's pick. Nice. And we thought, really? So th this is this is more free. This is kind of oh uh, no, it's all free. Cool, man. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. It's way different than the other uh, stuff the I have. Oh me. no, no, no. The duetting is all free. Okay. Yeah. This one's a little less so. This one more so. No. Just Both different, just different people. Oh, okay. Know, just, just different. It's just a duo, and then it's a trio. Nice. No, no, no. It's and we title them after they're played. You know. <laughs> uh, but uh, our philosophy is, we believe that free music ought to sound like it's written. Sure, like a composition. Written music ought to sound like it's, it's improvised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I Let's get out of here. Cool. Let's go see my dad. All right. <laughs> Thank you, cool, Stephen. Thanks for coming again. All right. Bye, man. everybody.